The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. Three U.S. soldiers have been killed in a drone attack in the Middle East. That attack in Jordan killed three U.S. Army soldiers and injured more than 30 others. Tonight, President Biden is responding. CBS 2's Jenna DeAngelis live in our newsroom with the breaking details. Jenna. Jessica, President Biden saying we shall respond. Today's attack marks the first time U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. U.S. officials say the drone attack impacted a base in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border known as Tower 22, killing three U.S. US service members and injuring more than 30 others. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said they were deployed there to work for the lasting defeat of ISIS. President Biden blamed Iran backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq, but said the facts are still being gathered. Retired U.S. Army Colonel Joe Buccino, who previously served as communications director for U.S. Central Command, which oversees American military operations in the Middle East, believes the U.S. has to send a stronger message. In order to make Iran stop all this, we've got to make Iran feel pain. That's what that's what Iran understands. And so we've got to do it in the next 72 hours. Uh, we've got to do it within, you've got a very short window where Iran will get the message. We had a tough day last night. Police lost lives. Three brave souls. forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. Never, ever. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. That's what they want to do. That's the game they play. And in the end, they're not after me. They're after you. I just happen to be standing in the way. Here I am. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Had a good time. And just recently, a vicious illegal alien criminal who was wanted for murder all over the planet, wanted everybody knew this person, not a good person, was discovered living as a fugitive right here in Las Vegas. Isn't that nice? We have no choice within moments of my inauguration. We will begin the largest domestic deportation operation in America. Well, last week, Houston did not have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over the matchup you wanted to watch, Kelsey wins it, and the Chiefs drive for an opening touchdown. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dies. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? I think you're right. 
They're calling it a touchback and recovery on the field. This is a call that could determine the whole game right here. Sneed! It's out. Who has played as at the highest level this entire season, Jim? The drive that began at the one-yard line has now reached the Chiefs 25, second and 10. To the end zone again, and it is intercepted! Intercepted by Dion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. First down, another thing. Come with Jamison Williams to Speedster. Has a block. Williams cuts up. 25, 20. Still on his feet. Jamison Williams scores. McCaffrey's going to get it. And he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Have no name. Well, um, where I am this morning, the streets certainly do have a name. Hey, Louie, how do I sound back there in the studios of WABC? I hear an amazing tonality. Oh, you do, huh? Yes. The old uh, Kelly Ripa loves Sid Rosenberg's tonality. She we stole, are, uh, stole that from me, by the I way. I think she so. did, yes. Yeah. I think she did. Sounds well, good. Well, we miss you, Louis. You're uh, back in the studios, of course, and... In uh, Midtown Manhattan, and we are coming to you live this morning from a place called Talpiat, Jerusalem. Talpiat, Jerusalem, the home of the JNS Studios, the Jewish 
Network. What does JNS uh, stand for? Syndicator? Jewish News Syndicate. Jewish News Syndicate. That's right. Where do they get uh, network from? Well, I don't know. Jewish News Syndicate. My friend Alex Trayman. And Alex has been on this show, as you know, if you listen to me every day quite a bit since October the 7th. He's been our go-to live guy. I must say that Alex's wife, her name is Sippy. She has been a huge help to me this trip. Everything from tanning salons to gyms. On the uh, that is of course the superficial side of Sid Rosenberg. The the real side of Sid Rosenberg we'll get to momentarily. But I got to tell you, Lou, and you know we talked about doing this really since October the ninth. October the seventh was the the tragic day, of course, uh, down in Gaza in the south. And that very next morning, October the eighth, I posted a video for my living room. In Bell Harbor, Queens, which I put back up, I reposted that on my Instagram just a couple of days ago. In fact, on the way here. And I recommend you check out my Instagram this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or Facebook said Rosenberg, because you're going to see some really cool pictures where I was just a couple of hours ago. I'll get to that. So that morning, of course, was a Sunday morning. I told you this story on Friday. And the Jets and the Giants... (laughs) Uh, very rarely play during the regular season. They play an annual preseason game, but very rarely play during the regular season. And this was going to be the first time in like five years that was going to be that case. And that morning, that Sunday, October the 8th, I sat down and cut a video from my living room and said, I just don't care. All I can think about are the people of Israel the poor hostages, the young ladies, what they're going through. I was the first, guys. You know this. It came. It took the media a long time, the media, even folks in government, to talk about what our young women are going through in Gaza. I was the first one that Monday morning to say, these poor girls, they got to be getting raped 20 times a day. No one said a word about that. It's all in that video from October the 8th. And I made up my mind that day that I was coming to Israel. By hook or by crook, we were going to get here. Now, it took a couple of months, but with the help of my dear friend, Yehuda Hanekman, who lives uh, here in Jerusalem. He's a guy that lived in New York uh, for a, a major part of his life, but moved here about 12 years ago. He reached out to a bunch of his friends and a bunch of different organizations in and around the Israel area. And, of course, the help of WABC, without the blessing of John and Margot Katsimatidis, and, of course, Chad Lopez and others, this was never going to happen. So this has been in the making for months. And between Yehuda, the powers that be at WABC, One Israel Fund, who has sponsored uh, this trip from beginning to end, which includes airfare, hotels, all of it. Uh, Hillel Fold, another major part of this. And, of course, Trayman and JNS, we are here and live this morning from Jerusalem. And it's surreal. You know, I remember sitting in the studio on Friday, you remember this, and I said, right now, I am doing this show on this Friday morning from 49th Street and 3rd Avenue. Think about this for a second. I'm on 49th and 3rd. I'm across the street from Smith and Molenskis. And my next show is going to be from somewhere in Jerusalem. And here we are. Now, let me say this. Getting here is no fun. <laughs> I had to keep telling myself it's worth it. It's worth it because this is a brutal trip. I mean brutal. I arrived at Kennedy Airport about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Uh, I think I boarded the plane. It was about um, a quarter to one already Sunday morning. And I didn't land in Tel Aviv until dinner time last night. 
Flight lasted just over 10 hours. But by the time you get to the airport, get ready for the flight, then you get to the destination and leave the airport, you're talking about 14, 15 hours. It is a long day. So I barely slept. I got back to the hotel, and then my beautiful wife, Danielle, and my son, Gabriel, my daughter, Ava, who they flew from London to meet us here in Israel, they arrived with Justin at about 5 o'clock in the morning. So I think I got two hours of sleep, but I am so pumped up this morning. Really, this afternoon in Israel right now, it's one twenty in the afternoon. The adrenaline is flowing, and it's been an incredible two days already. I will tell you this, when I landed The weather here in Israel was terrible, and they've been calling for rain, and it's not nice out here, folks. Maybe a lot down in the south is nice, but we're looking at temperatures at about uh, 52 degrees, lows last night, low 40s, and a lot of rain, which is uh, really not characteristic of what you get here this time of year. And moments ago, I mean five minutes before the start of this show, as only Hashem would have it, the sun has come out in Jerusalem. God is so happy that Sid Rosenberg has made the pilgrimage to Israel. The sun has come out. Right, I, I, I'm getting the, the, uh, the thumbs up from uh, the lovely Ayala in the other room who's helping us out here in, in Jerusalem. So let me tell you quickly before I get to all this stuff going on in the news. Uh, of course, uh, three more Americans killed in Jordan. Joe Biden, once again, pathetic in his response. He'll do nothing. Donald Trump, who we really need back in office, uh, he would make something happen. But we've got to wait another eight, nine months. We know this already. Uh, we know the two teams ready to go in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas coming up in two weeks. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs back for the fourth time in six years, taking on San Francisco. A rematch, by the way, of Super Bowl 54, the same game we saw four years ago. When, in fact, Mahomes and Kansas City came back to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco 31-20. to So the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. But here's how it starts for me. On most mornings, I'm going to take you really inside now, folks. I'm in Queens. And I've got those uh, old people beds. You know those old people beds where, like, you have remote controls? Because my back hurts, my ass hurts, this hurts, that hurts. So Danielle and I sleep together, but... I could, be, I could be sleeping in an upward position. She can be down, like old people. So um, we try not to bother each other. I get up at 3.15 in the morning. So most days, I wake up somewhere around 3.15 a.m. I tiptoe about 15 feet into my bathroom. I very quietly shut the bathroom door and put the lights on. At that point, I may shower. No, I shower every morning. I may shave, excuse me. But I certainly shower every morning. So I spend, on average, 15 to 30 minutes inside my bathroom in Queens. So you got to figure I leave my bathroom in my bedroom around 3.45 a.m. Then I tiptoe outside my bedroom, shut the door, walk into my daughter Ava's room because she's in Europe, get dressed, walk downstairs, and meet my drivers, either Levi or Jean, around 4.10 a.m. outside my front door. I get to the office usually around 5 o'clock. In time to see Frank Murata on his way out, uh, see Noam, and I spend about an hour with Justin getting ready for the show. That's my mornings 99% of the time. Already this morning in Israel, I've done enough activities for two weeks. So Yehuda meets me in the hotel lobby at about 9.30. At that point, I'm up already, shaved, showered, had a nice breakfast on the 11th floor, 16 cups of coffee, all good to go. So we take a walk from my hotel, which is pretty much central Jerusalem. It's about a 20-minute walk, 
and we walk to the Western Wall, or as some of you call it, the Wailing Wall. Now, to get there, we walked, unbelievably, through the Arab markets. They call them the Muslim quarters. And these are stores uh, inside tunnels, some of the most beautiful architecture you've ever seen, but they're all owned by Arabs. And what we noticed this morning is, they still call them Arabs here, by the way, what we noticed here this morning is a lot of those stores were shut down because the Jewish people will not go there anymore and spend money after what happened October the 7th. So there's only a couple of stores open, but you go through these Muslim quarters to make your way to the Western Wall. And folks, there is not a holier place in the world than the Western Wall. So I get there this morning. And I've got Yehuda with me. I've got Rabbi Bloomstein, who runs a huge congregation out there in Vudmia, Long Island, the five towns. I've got Aaron, another friend of Yehuda's. There's about five or six of us. we got uh, like an entourage of, uh, you know, Brooklyn and Long Island Jews making our way to the Western Wall. And I get there, and they go, you got to wrap to fill in, you know. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. It's fine. So I said, sure. So I allowed the guy to wrap the tefillin on me. And then I went to the wall. I said a prayer for my late great father, Harvey, who I miss desperately. Uh, he would have loved to have seen this, man. He would have loved to have seen this. said a prayer for my mom, Naomi, listening right now, for my wife, Danielle, my beautiful children, Ava and Gabe, and everybody else, all of you. I said a prayer for at the Western Wall this morning. It was pretty unbelievable. I mean, I can tell you it takes a lot. Lou, you know this. It takes a lot to shake me. But I'm an emotional guy. You guys hear me crying on this show all the time, all the time. But I was literally shaking as I was standing by the wall, taking pictures like I had just won the Super Bowl after making that prayer for everybody I love. And, and uh, you can see those pictures right now, again, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram and Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. But just to see it with the temple that went through the destruction behind it, I mean, the history that's there from, there's still architecture there from the Roman days, believe it or not. Uh, and then when you walk really by the steps, by the western wall, you can see in the not-so-distance the mountains of Jordan. And Jordan, of course, is a major story today because that's where three Americans, our kids, were killed just yesterday. You can see the mountains of Jordan from right there by the western wall. And it was a great walk. And then we hopped in our car and headed over to the studios. We've been here for about an hour. And now we're ready to have a great week of shows. Now, all of our regular guests will be on, folks. Steve Bannon today, he'll be here throughout the week. Bill O'Reilly and Peter King and Judge Napolitano and Joe Tacopina. They're all going to be here. But we'll be adding, of course, a lot of live guests here in Israel and folks that are covering what is still a war here. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's true what Alex told me last week on this show. When I walk out my hotel, I don't feel like I'm in a war zone necessarily. But I can tell you this, there's already been three attacks this morning. Some guy got out of his car in Haifa, which is not far from us, with an axe, tried to kill somebody, and they killed him. There was another attack in Jerusalem just yesterday. So you don't feel like you're under attack. They haven't fired a missile at this area now for a good six or seven weeks. But if you check your news every couple of minutes, there's another story about something going on very, very close by. So we're not out of the woods, not even close. In fact, most of the folks I talk to here are preparing 
for war in the North, and basically what they've told me to a man is if this war in the North escalates as quickly as they think, all of Israel is basically going to be shut down. Jerusalem, the central part of this city, it's going to be shut down. Remember, folks, what we had after 9-11 for those couple of weeks? It could be months. It could be a year here in Israel if, in fact, the war in the north gets bad, and they think it's going to get bad. And again, not a matter of if, really a matter of when. Some say March, some say early next fall, but they are preparing for the worst. And it doesn't look like the uh, the bad guys, Iran, Iraq, all these other folks uh, are going to do anything to stop it. Our government is completely feckless, a bunch of morons and a waste of time. Trump can't do anything next year. It's too late. So, And I think that they'll, they'll, they'll try to do as much as possible now before Biden leaves office because they know they can. That's the bottom line. They know they can. Kind of like the days with uh, Carter and Reagan. Right, Iran did what they wanted to as long as Jimmy was president. Reagan took over. Bang, it was over. It's going to be the same thing with Biden and Trump, except more difficult now because now the whole world is involved. And Biden, believe it or not, is even more feckless than Jimmy Carter. So it's a very, very scary situation for Israelis here. Just because you're not reading every day about people getting accosted, people being taken hostage, people getting killed, the fear and anxiety is still here. And there's another picture on my Instagram this morning. I was walking down Joppa Street, and wherever you go, the pictures of the hostages, they are everywhere. They are everywhere. And they talk about these hostages all the time. They are sick to their stomach. That's still over 130, if they're alive. No one knows if they're alive, but still over 130 are still being held captive somewhere between Gaza and God knows where else. So we are here. It's going to be a very, very emotional and tremendous week. I promise you, folks, this will be the best week of radio you've gotten in years. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Lou Rafino, Rich Rodabelli, and Curtis Sliwa back in the studios. Me and Justin live right here in Jerusalem. Here for the people of Israel, as well as the people of New York, America, and around the world. We'll take a short break. More live from Israel with Sid and Friends in the Morning right after this. You've had an accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. Trump has called on you to get out of this race. The RNC says it's time for Republicans to unify around Mr. Trump. What is your response to this apparent pressure campaign against you? Look, I mean, he can't bully his way through the nomination. I think that, you know, it's not surprising that he is surrounded by the political elite. But let's keep in mind, the political elite has gotten nothing done for us in stopping the wasteful spending, has gotten nothing done to secure the border, has gotten nothing done to keep us more safe as we see wars around the world. And so, look, that's exactly what we don't want. I mean, the reason the political elite are upset and the members of Congress are upset is because I've pushed for term limits. I've pushed for a mental competency test. I've said if they don't get a budget out on time, they shouldn't get paid. So, look, I have fought this political class um, my entire life, and it's, it's, I'd much rather be fighting for the people than fighting for the elected officials in D.C. That's that uh, Nikki Haley, who at this point I like less than Biden, which I never thought was possible, but I do. The irrelevant Nikki Haley, who last I checked, came in third place in Iowa, despite winning the majority in a big way of independent voters and Democrats in New Hampshire. She still lost that primary by double digits, and at last look, she's down by 37 points in her own state of South Carolina. She talks a big game. I mean, you talk about somebody who's completely delusional, and yes, all that is going on right now. You're right, Nikki, baby, but guess what? It wasn't four years ago Four years ago, when the guy that hired you, you remember, you worked for Donald Trump, then you stabbed him in the back and ran out. You loved him back then. None of this was going on. Now all of a sudden he's part of the problem? Who are you kidding? She's a liar. She's a backstabber. She's one of the worst candidates I've come across on our team in years. And uh, she's going to stick around because there's enough people out there that hate Trump to give her money. I mean, she got a million dollars after she lost New Hampshire by double digits. Unbelievable. Stick around, Nikki. It's going to get worse. So I got to tell you, on, um, on Saturday night, I make my way to Kennedy Airport. And it's a pretty full flight. The flight left at 1 a.m. to uh, get to Israel. Pretty full flight. And I go to the gate. And... I never know how I'm going to be received. You know, I, I always talk a big game. I'm a big star. I'm the man. But, but to be honest, I, sometimes I just don't get it myself. It's, I've used this word already this morning. I'll say it again. It's surreal to me how many people now come up to me, message me, how much they love me and the show, all that stuff, you know. So I walk to the gate, and I expect that, yeah, maybe one or two people will say, hey, Sid, it was a lot more than that. And I'm taking pictures. There was one kid in particular. I really liked this kid. His name is George, 16 years old, only one year older than my son Gabriel. Lives on the Upper East Side, which is a horrible place. 
just infested with liberals. But he, uh, he loves the Giants, he loves the Knicks, and he loves Trump. And him and I must have talked for a good 15 minutes. His mom was sitting there. And um, I would say that I guess a conservative figure, I took about 15 pictures, which is a lot at the gate before a flight takes off. So at one point, this mother and daughter walk over to me and they go, excuse me, but we don't know who you are. And we're noticing that people are running over to you to take some pictures. You must be famous. And I was like, yes, I am. In fact, I'm very famous. Lewis, you're going to love this. I'm so the lady, laughing. Yeah. So the, the lady, go, lady goes, lady goes, well, again, I feel horrible. I don't know who you are. Who are you? And I said, no, no, no. That's okay. Don't feel horrible. I'm Howard Stern. <laughs> the lady goes, oh, you cut your hair. <laughs> and he had no idea, like this religious lady. She goes, oh, you cut your hair. I said, yeah, I was getting too unruly. You know, my wife, Beth, couldn't stand it. And Now, by the way, at no point did I tell this lady I'm Sid Rosenberg because I really had her. I mean, I, I had her the whole time, you know. And she's telling all of her friends I met Howard Stern now at the, uh, at the airport gate. But uh, that was the perfect way to get on the plane, wouldn't you say, guys? Who are you? Uh, no, what is uh, what is the big story this morning back in New York City? Well, for sure, it's this you know these three American service members that were killed Sunday and night in that overnight drone attack in Jordan. Uh, Biden holding a moment of silence on the campaign trail yesterday when he was told about this, calling it a tough day for the Middle East. And now, of course, the big question is how will we respond? Not clear when and if we'll respond, but the White House says there will be some sort of response. Okay, and uh, what about uh, in New York? Anything new this weekend? Anything from Eric Adams, Andrew Cuomo, as you made it official yet? Anything good or not yet? No, uh, nothing official from uh, you know from Cuomo about what his future plans are. There was this sort of interesting moment at the Museum of Natural History. They closed those uh, Native American halls, all, which are a lot of them across the museum, because they were afraid that they're offending the Native American community, that they're not being culturally sensitive to them so if you walk into the museum today and you know there's a large section of the museum that's dedicated to native americans all shut down and the parts uh stuff have been pulled out there's empty um display cases other display cases there are curtains over them and you had these tourists that were walking in you know kind of looking forward to seeing these objects saying where are they and a lot of them it was interesting when they interviewed them they said you know uh what's going on here did you ask native americans specifically if they're upset about this and they complained about it and there was no response to from the museum if they had actually heard from native american groups saying yes we're offended by these displays interesting so your dad lives i believe by tel aviv is that right he's in haifa actually oh that's where they had the attack this morning yeah i saw that Did, does your dad know about it i imagine he does usually those stories get around quick like they do here so I was under the impression your dad was going to meet me at the airport and do something like that. I've not seen, uh, of course, I don't know what your father looks like. He could have been standing there. I wouldn't even know. But is your father still planning on seeing me at some well, point? Well, you know, he, he screwed up the timing about when you were flying in. So he said he'd be happy to take you from Jerusalem back to the airport when you leave. He, in fact, even bought one of those caps, and he's rented a long-stretch limousine. <laughs> no, come on. You are funny. You are funny. What does he do, your dad, here in Israel? He's retired, right? He's not. The guy is unbelievable. He's 93 years old. He still goes oh, to work. Bless him. He still goes to work today. He's head of research and development for a cosmetic company. Wow. Really? Yeah. 
And what about your mom? I'm sorry I don't know about all yeah, this. Yeah, no, and... she passed away last year, Oh, actually. God. That's the worst thing you could ever do, right? <laughs> yeah. The worst thing. Way to Thanks go. For How's your yeah, mom? right. How's your mom I, I, I was just getting over she's it. She's not doing great right now. Stupid <laughs> Sid. She's not doing great. I guess she's not going to fix it up at the end. Uh, uh, no. By the way, there, there are people that will beg to dipper that with all the issues going on in the world right now, if, in fact, your mom went to heaven, and I'd have to think that she did. She's in a much better place. Maybe she is doing great. Oh, you know, I always think because she was such a Zionist. I mean, my parents moved during my last year of high school to Israel, so they've been there decades. So and how could it be that your parents be here for decades, yeah. your mother, God rest her soul, a Zionist, your father living in Israel, and you're pro-Palestinian? How could that possibly be? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've got pictures of you by Kennedy Airport well, on you know, Saturday. I'm a rebellious son. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is funny, though, because you know, back home, you know, we're so, everything is offended. Be careful what you say and don't send, you know, of course, I don't do that. And that's why I have great success on this show has great success because I've conditioned you guys to just be honest, you know. And everybody I talk to here, and it's, it's anecdotal, but maybe 20 people since I've arrived, they refer to these people as Arabs. I thought that was over. Like, I remember one time when I said to Imus, and I called the Chinese guy a certain name, which wasn't offensive, but he said, you can't say that anymore. And for some reason, I was under the impression that Arabs, they didn't do that anymore, but that's how they're, and, and that, the Arabs, oh my God, they, they, they hated. I mean, there, there is some serious hate. You feel it the way they talk about them because I could tell you that uh, even on my tour this morning at the Western Wall, there's a, uh, a spot there right, right below the wall. There was an, an Arab village that's still there. And uh, these people go on and on about how they've lived there for a thousand years. And the guy telling me the story, two of them actually, was like, they weren't even here a hundred years ago. But they were conditioned to believe it by their parents and their grandparents. They don't know any better. But all they do is lie. This is our land. They showed me the tunnels underneath the western wall. They're still there, guys, from 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. That's ours. That's not theirs. So any idea that Americans may have that... Oh, everything is okay. I mean, look, the Israelis, all these guys made it very, very clear to me, we can live with them. We can live with them. They can work in our neighborhoods. The same guys that came back and raped our daughters and put our babies in ovens, they were working in those houses, in those houses for weeks and months leading up to that tragic day. We can work with them. We can live with them. But the truth is, dating all the way back to 1948 and before that, they can't live with us. They want all this land. They really believe this land is theirs. When, of course, of course, anybody knows anything about history knows this land belongs to the Jews and has since day one. But as you know, Noam, being a guy whose parents have lived here for so long, the Arabs just refuse to accept that. And these morons who are blocking tunnels and, uh, and airports and the Belt Parkway in New York, they have no idea what the history is here. And, no idea. And they don't know that also that there's communities of Arabs, a lot of them living in the north, that have the highest standard of living of any Arab community in the Middle East. You know, my brother, young, my younger brother, went with my parents when they moved decades ago. And he works for an uh, engineering company. Most of the people he works with. Our Arabs, there a lot of them are attracted to that uh, to that industry because they're in the construction industry. And he said, you know, they work alongside me like anybody else does, and they live they live these the standard of living that's much higher than it would be in Gaza. Name the other Middle Eastern country; they're not living as high a level of standard of living as they do in Israel. Also, seems that almost everybody I talk to thinks BB's going to be done. He's got to finish this war. Whenever this war is finished, he will be done. 
Uh, some of them say it with a little bit of sympathy and even sadness. Others say, I love the guy, but he screwed up. Bottom line is he screwed up here. And, you know, there's a kind of a split government here. Uh, there's a liberal side and a Republican side, BB, the conservative side, I should say. And they have uh, worked together since October the 7th, much like Giuliani and Pataki found a way to work together after 9-11. God forbid Cuomo and de Blasio could have figured that out. But they have worked together since October the 7th. But again, there, there is no love loss there. I mean, they don't like each other. They do not share the same ideologies and political philosophies so that is a work in progress to say the least but the consensus the overwhelming consensus is that bb will be done here in israel okay four great guests about to come your way as always curtis sliwa starts us off every weekday morning he's coming up at 7 15 we'll hear from steve bannon at some point uh, the great congressman out of Long Island, Anthony D'Esposito, and two live guests in studio as well. It is a big Monday morning show once again, live from the JNS studios right here in Jerusalem, Israel, where the war still rages on in the south and possibly, before you know it, in a big, big way in the north. More of Sid and Friends in the morning right after this. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. But let there be no doubt what Joe Biden is doing is a crime against our nation. It's an absolute betrayal of our country, and it's an atrocity against our Constitution. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Crooked Joe will not get away with these crimes. He will be tried at the ballot box in November, and you will go back to having the strongest border, even stronger than I gave you, but we'll take that too. We'll take anything when you look at what's happened to our country. And with your vote, he will be judged and convicted by the American people of this atrocity that he's done. Look at you, Louis, give me some Allman Brothers. That, of course, is my guy Donald Trump. He was live in Las Vegas, Nevada this weekend. Las Vegas, of course, will be the site of Super Bowl 58 coming up two weeks from yesterday. And for the fourth time in six years, the Kansas City Chiefs will represent the AFC 
And the 49ers back for the NFC again, as I said earlier, a rematch of Super Bowl 54 when Mahomes and the Chiefs came back to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers 31-20. to So, you know, I said earlier that uh, we got a whole bunch of really good guests stopping by, five of them starting with Curtis next hour, that Alex Trayman, who owns and runs JNS Studios, where I'm live this morning in Jerusalem, told me when you get to Jerusalem, you won't even feel like you're in a war zone. And he's, for the most part, right. But, but, the one thing you do see on just about every corner is the one thing that New Yorkers are begging for on the subway. It would make Curtis Lee was so happy, and that's cops and armed cops. Well, they're not cops here. They're, they're IDF soldiers. They're reservists. But just about every block, there's somebody standing out there with, uh, with a weapon. You know, and uh, that does take a little getting used to. We're not used to seeing that necessarily in New York. We did see that after 9-11. In fact, I remember going to the Super Bowl with my late father, who, again, I'll say it again, he would he would love this trip, man. He'd be really proud of me, especially this morning when I made a prayer for my pop at the Western Wall. But I remember we got to Tampa, Florida where the Giants were playing the Super Bowl Bills back in 1990, Super Bowl 25, and I'd never seen this before. We got there early because we were told it's difficult getting into the stadium. At the time, it was the Gulf War, and George Bush, 41, was the president. That was an easy one, mind you. It took us over three hours to get inside the stadium that day because this was the first time they ever had metal detectors at the Super Bowl, and there were men with guns all over the stadium then of course you remember when the yankees played the diamondbacks in that heartbreaking world series they lost in 2001 yankee stadium was covered with folks with guns and that's what you get here so you don't feel necessarily like you're in a war zone but to see that uh, could be a little unnerving for young folks so bill o'reilly said to me on thursday he said sid you must do three things when you get to israel one is Make sure you have a journal. Write down everything, which I've done so far. I've done that. Secondly, you got to talk to the kids. I have not had that opportunity yet. I want to do that. Uh, talking to a couple of parents, they've said that when it comes to telling their kids about October the 7th and what's happened since, they keep it very simple. The kids know, of course, that Israel has been, is, and will be under attack. They know that. They know that the Palestinians are not their friends. Now, I said the Palestinians, folks, not just Hamas. So if you folks out there that are, hey, Palestinians are good people, too, they're not so sure about that here, okay? They're not so sure about that here. Because Palestinians at a very early age, very, very early age, are taught to hate and kill the Jews. Not their fault, but it's a fact. So they know the Palestinians did what they did. So the kids got to be careful. But they don't go into, obviously, the graphic detail. And they also don't tell their kids that kids are being held hostage. Because they tell me that the kids feel like this is only for adults. When, in fact, we know there are even babies. I believe one baby was taken at nine months. That baby is now, what, 13 months old? But there are children still being held hostage. And Israelis uh, don't tell their kids, for the most part, about that. And again, nothing in real graphic detail. But uh, they're living with this every day. Every day it is the topic of conversation. No matter what they're doing on a daily basis, at some point this conversation comes up. And I think it warms 
their heart that we do it too. I can't tell you how many people I was introduced to today thank me for coming here. They said, thank you for coming because the, the folks are not coming. They're not coming. You know, I just had this conversation with my dear friend, Judge Janine, who's about as courageous and heroic a woman as there is in media today. She's the best. I love her on every Wednesday. She was invited to come here by Netanyahu's people, literally the same month I am here. And she said no. She's too afraid. She's not the only one. Tons and tons of people that ordinarily come here are not coming here now. And it hurts the Israelis more than just financially, which is an issue. It really is an issue. It's they want to feel like we've got skin in the game. So when I show up here, they go, wow, America cares. New York cares. Sid Rosenberg cares. I remember standing outside of Cooper Union with my man Curtis Sliwa, who's about to join me next, on a rainy, rainy Sunday, months ago, not long after the attacks, and just days after the pro-Palestinians, those scumbags, had a bunch of terrified Israeli and Jewish students locked inside a library. And I remember seeing an old friend at that rally that day who lived in my building on the Upper West Side who said to me, yeah, things are going great, Sid, and thank you for all you do. And, you know, we're nervous, and my son has even taken off his yarmulke. And I said, no, 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 don't do that. Him taking off his yarmulke is, is, is better for these animals than a dead body in the street because they're destroying your spirit. Do not do that. Don't take off your yarmulke. Don't be afraid to daven in public. Don't do that. So at the same time, don't be afraid to come here. Come here. Do the right thing by not just Israel, but for humanity. If you're a decent person, if you've got a soul, a soul, you've got to be so disgusted as to what happened, and it's still happening, folks. There's a lot of young girls who went up on Instagram every day. They're not just pictures on Instagram. They're people. They're getting raped every day, every day by these lowlifes. Raped. They need you here. And I can do my part, but as a people, and again, not as a Jewish people, as a people, we need to be bigger than that. But I will do my part this week. My beautiful wife, Danielle, is here. Both of my children are here. My daughter Ava came in from London, which is very exciting. My son is here. We'll go back to the Wailing Wall, Western Wall, I should say, together in a couple of days. And this is something that, yes, uh, I'll limit it to the Jews for this part of the conversation. Every Jew living in New York right now needs to find their way here. Bottom line. Louie, I'm going to take a short break. We've got five great guests coming your way today. My man Lou Rafino is in studio. We're going to discuss everything from Trump to Biden to Eric Adams to Andrew Cuomo to Israel, all of it. you got three more great hours of the number one talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel. WABC. The fray, never say never, as we start hour number two of the Monday edition, day one of four, live from Israel, sitting friends in the morning, live from Talpiat, Jerusalem. So before I get to uh, my man Curtis, I land in Tel Aviv on Saturday night, and um, there's a guy here, his name is Charlie. How I got to know Charlie is none of your business. Stop asking me. Here I go again. It's the first time today I'm arguing with myself. So Charlie is a uh, very decorated cop, former New York cop, who now made his way to Israel. And uh, he meets me at the airport. I know that's going to make John Katzmatidis happy because he's really worried about my safety because he loves me. And I love you too, John. So he's, he meets me um, at the airport, and we go through the uh, customs together. And, he, you know, he got me through everything very, very quickly here. Sid, he's the big star, blah, blah, blah. So we go outside to meet Yehuda and the guys to go into the car to leave Tel Aviv and there's a guy standing right next to me who I have no idea who the guy is. So Charlie goes to me, he goes, hey, Sid, you know who that is? I'm like, no, no idea. He's like, that's Gilad Erdan. He is the U.N. ambassador to Israel. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm so used to seeing Gilad in a suit and tie. He was wearing sweatpants. I didn't recognize him. I said, yeah, of course. So I walk over to Gilad, and I go, hey, Gilad, I'm Sid Rosenberg. Now, I expect Louis going to say to me, yeah, uh, not not sure who you are, whatever. Not the case. He goes, nice to meet you. He goes, I'm going to meet you in two weeks. I go, you're meeting me in two weeks? <laughs> How is that? Well, the um, there's a gentleman who is affiliated with the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, which happens to be the largest synagogue in New York, a very beautiful and impressive place. And they are putting on a benefit dinner, 
and they're honoring me. It's coming up actually next Saturday, February the 10th, the day before Super Bowl 58. Hundreds of people, great speakers, Dove Hikind, Lizzie Savetsky, who just posted about me on her Instagram, and many, many others. And it's going to be a wonderful event, and they're giving me the Guardian of Israel Award, which is just another in a long line, what I believe is undeserved awards I've been getting since October the 7th. I've done nothing other than go on the air, and yes, I'm an advocate and I care, but the awards keep coming. So it turns out this guy, who's the U.N. ambassador to Israel, is going that night and, in fact, is excited, was excited to meet me, but now he met already at the Tel Aviv airport. So it's a pretty cool story. I also did say uh, last hour that I care, New York cares, America cares. Let me tell you who else cares. And it's important to get this in. WABC. You know, again, without the blessings of John and Margot Katz and Matidis, and my man, Chad Lopez. Chad was so enthusiastic about this, and of course he is. He's a serviceman, Chad. He spent years and years on a ship in the Navy. He knows what it's like to be in combat. He knows all that. So between John and Margo and Chad and Emily and George, just um, really happy that they've given me their enthusiastic blessings to do this because obviously not if, but when this goes well, we're going to do something like this again. Bottom line, we don't do a lot of remotes. We need to change that. Like, to be honest, when I get home from this, I would go to Vegas and cover Super Bowl 58. I really would. But this is obviously much more important. That's a stupid football game. Yes, it brings in billions and billions of dollars of revenue. We all enjoy it. We love it. But this is a little more important. I get that. And that's why I'm here. But uh, I do uh, appreciate WABC because they care too. All right, my first guest today is here every day at this time because he's great whether he's hosting the Rip and Read noon every weekday morning, overnight weekends, or sitting next to me at this time every morning, the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel Curtis Sliwa. Very few, if any, do it better. And, of course, Curtis spent the last couple of weeks giving me recommendations on where to go in Israel. He's been here three times. We wish he was here this time, but he's not. Back in the studios, our dear friend Curtis Sliwa. Good morning, Curtis. Well, we're so, so very proud of you, Sid, and your family for going over and showing support for Israel in its desperate time of need. I can't tell you how many of the Jews and Gentiles are not doing that. They're too worried about themselves, not about the Holy Land, not about our number one ally in the world, Israel. So uh, what you have done, no other radio talk show host uh, has done. No radio station has sent anyone over. So let me just say on behalf of all of us here we thank you for what you've done for the United States and for Israel, especially, Chad Lopez, you mentioned having served in the Navy. Do you know that recruitment is so far down in the Navy now? They announced the other day that they will take anybody who doesn't have a GED, no high school degree, you've been to prison, you're a member of the Bloods, your Crips, they'll take you. We may have to have Chad Lopez re-up in order yeah. to keep us secure around the world. Look, our Navy is right there, right in the Mediterranean Sea, sailing in the Red Sea to protect shipping, to protect others, to protect Israel, and to protect our troops who, as you can see, once again, are under attack in that area. Three servicemen dead, not far from you, right on the border between Jordan and Syria, and we know there's going to be other attacks to come. And by golly, when our president says, oh, we're going to get him, 
What the hell are you going to do? You should have done it right away. You should have done it right away. They should have felt the wrath of the U.S. And I'm telling you, if there's one message you can convey, because B.B. is gone soon. He's gone. There's no doubt about it. He must bomb the nuclear reactors that are making weapons-grade uranium deep in Iran. He must take out their source, their supply, because they've said they'll drop their first bomb on Israel. They know they'll get wiped off the map. He must do what Menachem Begin did when Saddam Hussein was developing a nuclear weapon, and he took out the nuclear reactor. He was condemned by everyone, including Ronald Reagan. He said, but I'm elected to protect the Jews first and foremost. Most, please make sure the Israelis support BB in his last venture, and that is bomb the nuclear center of their weapons-grade uranium before they use it on Israel. Oh, I think you're right. That would be a, a terrific start. But as you just said, I wouldn't count on him doing anything. He's done nothing, and he, he listen. He learned very well. He learned very well from his. You know, his hero, Barack Obama, who also sat idly by. I know eventually he got the credit, and deservedly so, for killing Osama bin Laden. But week after week, whether it was Brussels or Paris or California or New York, there was a terrorist attack. And that guy spent more time trying to convince Americans to be nice to your Muslim neighbors rather than pay back the bastards that did it to us. This guy, Joe Biden, is even more feckless than Obama, and that's saying a lot. But moving away from that, uh, there are no guardian angels in Israel. I think you're in about 30 countries around the world. World. Have you thought about bringing that great group of yours here to Jerusalem? Not needed. And I'll tell you why. They are the most vigilant country in the world. You mentioned the law enforcement. You mentioned the IDF. Find out how many of the Israelis you meet are packing. Find out. Every one of them. Exactly. And not, 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 not only the Israelis, because I had this conversation last night. I went to dinner with four guys, Curtis, four guys. Uh, two of those guys are now my dear friends, including Yehuda. He's carrying a 43. One guy's carrying a 22. And, and they sent me, they said, here's a difference, and you can appreciate this, Curtis, between guys who carry guns in Israel and America. In Israel, once you turn a certain age, and it's a very young age, male or female, male or female, you must join the army, and you are taught how to use a gun. So when a civilian like the guys taking me to dinner last night carry guns, they know what they're doing. Unlike the folks in New York, who a lot of them, to quote Jimmy Breslin, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Exactly. And let me remind everyone that while you're there, you're within walking distance of that Sabaros restaurant that Hamas bombed on August 9th of 2001. That's when I went over there after the second intifada. Iranian-supported, seven Palestinian uh, uh, suicide bombers. Actually, they secured the bombs in a guitar case at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They killed 16, seven children, a pregnant woman, 130 wounded. And immediately Israel started building those walls. You will see walls that separate themselves from the potential suicide bombers, the Palestinians. When you come back, if you could see those walls, you could tell Americans how Israel knew the biggest threat had to be deterred by walls. And even before that, you said you were on Jaffa Street, Jaffa Road? Yes. That's where they had two suicide bombings on the number 18 bus in 1996, where they killed 45 nine Israeli soldiers. 
And who supported Hamas in doing that? Iran, 1996. The Israelis are tough people. They don't turn their cheek. They know who their enemies are. And even though they were asleep at the wheel, October 7th, just like we were at 9-11, the wrath of the Israelis will be upon Hamas, who have been trying to take them out for decades with the support of the Ayatollahs in Iran. I do want to give uh, some of the folks that you give a hard time to because that's you. That's why we love you, specifically my friend Michael Kemper, who I love dearly, and I think he does a really good job, some credit. Because on Saturday, I was receiving, even before Saturday, to be honest, I knew for days about it, but it came out body and Saturday that these pro-Palestinian scumbags were going to um, you know, block all the entrances to the airport because last Saturday happened to be the seven-year anniversary of the Trump Muslim ban, which, by the way, was great. Bring that back. Um, so they did it. They showed up in big numbers, and they blocked you know, the Kennedy Airport, the Belt Parkway, all these losers. Now, the good news is by the time I got to the airport after Shabbos, 10 o'clock Saturday night, these low lives were gone. But they did cause a lot of havoc, but only lasted, Curtis, one hour before the NYPD broke those guys up. So the question is, is the NYPD getting better at this? Are they giving up earlier? Why did it seem to work on Saturday? How many did they arrest it? I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Are you, telling be, me none? Are you telling me this none? This is going to be like whack-a-mole. They're going to do it over and over and over. More important than that, more important than that is what happened Saturday night. Your friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, decided to take some city council members on a ride-along to let them see what average cops have to deal with out in the streets. Great idea. He's doing that because uh, it is a great idea. To his credit, he doesn't like the fact that cops are going to be overrun with paperwork when, in fact, they should be out there protecting New York. So in this case, he's not wrong. But this was the problem. A ride-along, of which I've been on, every time I've been arrested, they put me in the back of the car, and I'm forced to ride along with them with my hands behind me with cuffs. (laughs) And by the way, no bulletproof vest. But anyway, the point is, a ride-along is good. You get to see two cops having to respond to calls, the pressure, the stress they're under. Instead, what the Adams administration did was they put them all in police vans, all the politicians in one van. They had cops in the second van and they had the press in the third van and they were riding around Harlem. And they saw that that's not a ride along. Come on, stop with the photo ops. You need to sit down with the city council people and hey, you turn to that city council person, Eric Adams, because they're listening now from City Hall. You say, Let's make a deal. What do you need in your district? What can I do to change your vote? Good old-fashioned horse-trading politics, which Eric Adams does not do. He chases the cameras. He should have had a sit-down. If tomorrow morning this vote remains on the schedule because the Speaker of the Council, Adams, no relationship to Eric Adams, put it on the calendar. That means they have the votes to override uh, the the, uh, veto by Eric Adams. And another bill that is getting no attention is on behalf of correctional officers. They want to take away the bing, solitary confinement. No mention, no pressure about that. That will not be able to over... They they will override that veto. That means every correctional officer out there is going to be under attack by inmates there will be absolutely no complications to that. Half the CEOs now are females of color, black and Hispanic. Every day there are guys in the joint who are whipping out their John, masturbating in front of the women, grabbing their tukuses. 
and the women can't even then say, hey, they need to be put in the bing. They need to be separated from the general population. You know they're just going to go out and do it again and again. These feckless city council people lock them up in the general population for like three days and they'll be screaming, please, I'll do anything. Let me out. They made me their Maytag. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. So in the final uh, minute or two of this uh, great conversation, God, I love you. You are, uh, people don't know this, but you're doing us a huge favor. You know, we start the show at six o'clock every morning and there are instances where remotes don't go well. Thank God this has been crystal clear this morning because Alex Trayman, JNS Studios in Jerusalem, this is the real deal. But you never know during a remote something can go wrong and then you're off the air. Not us because Curtis has volunteered to be in the studios. This is really very, very nice for the entirety of the show. Six to ten every morning. If something happens here, boom, Curtis is on the air. And I keep saying to people he's doing that out of the goodness of his heart. But the truth is, is that if there was some type of explosion like sparrows, and of course you want me to be alone because you love Danielle and my children, and in fact I couldn't make it back, you would, um, at least for the cameras, you would cry, but you would be thrilled to death because this would be your show. Is that honest or not, Curtis Sliwa? I would be cutting up the onions that I left in the WABC kitchen, <laughs> rubbing them under my eyes, fake tears. I would start to eulogize you on the radio. Well, I let mean, me hear that. Let me hear that. How would that go? In I fact, would sound uh, like yeah. Alexander Haig when Reagan had been shot and Bush was flying around in the sky. I'm in charge. He was a great man. He was a righteous Jew who finally did Aliyah. Hashem has taken him high in the sky, and I'm in charge here on Mornings at WABC. Oh, God. You really are the best. Thank you. Uh, thank you for this great appearance. Thank you for being here. Seriously, Curtis, all week long. And uh, that's why when people talk about sitting friends in the morning, Curtis is not a guest. Curtis is on this show every day. As far as I'm concerned, he is a cast member, just like I am. Justin is. Lewis is. Joe Nolan is. Noam is. Curtis Sliwa, a valued cast member of sitting friends in the morning. Folks, a long way to go on this show today. Two great live and studio guests, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito and our good buddy Steve Bannon, all still to come. Monday in Jerusalem with Sid. Just for you. Entertaining talk, information, and New York opinions. Shut up! The world famous and American original. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. And now, a man who got not one, but two shout-outs from Donald Trump on Saturday night at Cipriani Wall Street. He's Sid Rosenberg. You know that, Sid, right? There is a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience. And this... I could be indictment-proof right now. I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. ...is Sid and Friends in the Morning.
So my uh, text and my WhatsApp has been blowing up since we started this show nearly 100 minutes ago. I just got a wonderful text from the great congressman on the show every Wednesday morning, Peter King, saying great show this morning. My friend Margaret Powers, who lives in uh, the same community as me and my family. Her husband, Paul, is running for Congress up against that that uh, slouch, Gregory Meeks. Margaret Powers says Paul King for Congress and the Rockaway Republican Club. I'll be speaking there coming up Wednesday, February the 7th. She sends her love. Chad Lopez sent his love, Arthur Idala, and a ton of others. So we're glad you're enjoying the show. It's a big deal for us. My heart is warm this morning. And I say this, and I do mean this now. I hope wherever my father is, my my guy Harvey, that he um, he's aware of this and listening to this and is as happy as I am this morning being in Jerusalem. You know, it's about 6,000 miles from home. <laughs> I, I made the mistake. You know those like crazy people that weigh themselves every day? Like they run on a treadmill, they diet, they weigh themselves every day. The dumbest thing you can do, give yourself a couple of weeks to see some changes. So I kept staring on the plane. You know, I, I couldn't watch a movie. I, I couldn't do it. And uh, there were no sports. So I just uh, kept the jet thing up, you know, telling us where we were flying. I remember it took about 30 hours, it felt like, to get to Europe. It was only five, felt like 30. And um, the time wasn't moving. The mileage wasn't moving. It was brutal. And then it kind of picked up once we got midway through Europe, making our way to uh, to Tel Aviv and I really never knew the complete geography, so I got a good look at what's south, which included all those neighborhoods, the Kibbutzim, and the Nova Music Festival. We're going on Friday. We're going to go there on Friday. That'll be the most emotional day in Israel, where Hamas did a, uh, all their damage. South, of course, and then just north of the Tel Aviv airport, I saw places like Haifa. They had a terrorist attack this morning. Netanya making your way towards uh, Lebanon, Beirut, and other folks uh, up in the north. So it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, a newspaper here in Israel, which does very, very well, it is called the Israeli National News. Israel National News has just come out with a big story. And my friend Yehuda Hanekman, i got to give him credit, he got a picture of me at the Western Wall, where I was this morning. And again, folks, you can see all those great pictures. I wrapped a fill-in. I prayed at the wall. It was amazing. My Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Sid Rosenberg, on my Facebook. So Yehuda got a picture of me already at the Western Wall to this big, uh, it's a public, It's I guess it's a newspaper and a TV station. Looks like it's Channel 7 here. And it reads, 77 WABC morning host Sid Rosenberg broadcasts live from Israel. The trip includes a visit to the site of the Nova Music Festival and Kibbutzim near the Gaza border. And then it goes on and pretty much uh, writes out the press release that we put out last week with great quotes from John Katsimatidis, myself, and Chad Lopez. So already we are hitting the papers. I know I'm doing a live TV interview coming up, I believe, on Wednesday. So we are we are being welcomed 
with open arms, a red carpet, and nobody more than Alex Trayman, who once again runs these JNS studios. And he's going to join us coming up next. And he has been on with us more than any other guest live from Israel since October the 7th. And that's why I guess it let the unprovoked, he said, Sid, if you come here, I'll give you my studios. He's a man of his word. He has done that. And he'll join us next. So we will take a very, very short break. We'll get back and give you all the latest, which includes still terrorist attacks going on all over Israel. And is the war moving to the north? If it does, how soon? And what will it mean for the people living even here in central Jerusalem? We'll talk to Alex Trayman on the latest from Israel, from his own studios, coming up next on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Uh, local time, it's 2.50 p.m. in Israel, 7.50 a.m. Back home in New York. Got a nice message just now from guy I really love in radio, Tim McCarthy, former WAS, uh, ABC and ESPN great Tim McCarthy. Thank you for that. And as uh, Justin just pointed out, Super Bowl 58, we are set to go. The Chiefs back in the big game for the fourth time in five years. That is unbelievable. What Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes have built in Kansas City is really uh, legendary at this point. Four out of five, they've won two of them back in the big game against Brock Purdy and the 49ers. It'll be the first one for Brock Purdy, and I have a hard time betting against Patrick Mahomes. I'll change my mind a thousand times. The game is still two weeks away in Vegas. Maybe we'll go. But uh, at any rate, right now, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs. But again, I reserve the right 
to change my mind. I'll tell you a guy who never changes his mind, that's Alex Trayman. When this whole war started in Israel, those brutal attacks dating back to October the 7th, we started bringing Alex Trayman on. It was Noam Layden. i got to give Noam Layden all the credit. I had no idea who Alex was. Noam said, i got a guy in Israel. His name is Alex Trayman. He's at GNS. He's great. And I loved him from day one. His information has been incredibly accurate. He's got a big heart, cares. And he's been on with me about 20 times. And when I made mention a couple of weeks ago that I'm really efforting with Yehuda to get this show to Israel, he said, use my studios. I said, come on. I envisioned us with a picnic table somewhere in Jerusalem surrounded by Arabs, you know, <laughs> trying to do a radio show. But no, instead we're in this gorgeous studio. He's got great workers here, too, from Brian Lifshitz to uh, Adam Mellerman to Zach Sikerman to um, Avia uh, Ajna, who does a terrific job. There's Avia. Uh, really a terrific, terrific staff. And we are here in his studios today. His wife also, Sippy, I love her. She is fantastic. So here he is, Mr. JNS in Jerusalem, our friend Alex Trayman. Alex, good morning. How are you? Shit, welcome to Jerusalem. It is, uh, it is amazing being here. It, uh, it really is. And, you know, why you told me last week that you're not going to feel like you're in a war zone necessarily because you're not going to hear the rockets like you did here. You heard rockets here in Jerusalem uh, even six, seven weeks ago and, and all those types of things. And, and you're right. You, you walk around, I feel relatively safe. But there's a tension, Alex. There's no question about it. And there's a lot of guys with guns on just about every block. So coming from New York, it does feel a little bit like I'm in a war zone. How about that? Well, you know, like I said to you uh, previously, it's the it's the danger that you're used to versus the danger that you're not used to. Um, but certainly high alert here. Everybody has to uh, really have no illusions that we live with uh, an enemy that has been um, that has been. Uh, you know, it's taught, as you mentioned, to, to really hate Jews and to kill Jews and to value a culture of martyrdom where they die uh, for killing Jews. That's the greatest honor that you can have in the society. And, and so we understand who it is that we're living with. Uh, and we have to be on red alert because October 7th, it, it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily going to be uh, a one-off event uh, if, if we let our guard down. No, it looks like it's not going to be the case at all. In fact, uh, look, the South, uh, while it's um, certainly uh, calmed down quite a bit, there's still stuff going on. In fact, uh, just this morning, Alex, uh, from Yehuda, I should say, I received two different reports. Uh, one, of course, was a man with an axe getting out of his car in Haifa who was killed, thank God, by the by the Israelis, but he was ready to commit some type of brutal attack. There was something else that happened here in Jerusalem. So while the South is still going on and hostages are still being held, there are these random little attacks in and around Israel that even penetrate cities like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Yeah, I think it's a mistake to call them random. Uh, you know, they're not happening with tremendous frequency, but uh, we are part of, we're in a war right now. And, uh, you know, these people have been trained to do exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, they've been incited from an early age, taught in their schools, taught on social media. Uh, and so, you know, they they are trained to be able to wake up one morning and decide that they're going to be a martyr and, and to carry out an attack. And, and as you mentioned, there's been a few just today, and, and there could be many, many more. And we saw just two years ago, you know, we had big riots here in the Arab-Israeli cities like Lod uh, and Akko and elsewhere, you know, just the... Uh, a few miles from where you're sitting now in Jerusalem, there's the 250,000 Arabs living in the eastern sections of the city. Uh, you know, they have chosen to be calm so far since October 7th, uh, but that could change at any moment.
You know what shocked me, too, is uh, my friend Yehuda. Uh, I was in the car with him and his friend Aaron last night, and he was telling me that uh, he lives uh, in and around Jerusalem. I forget exactly the name of the city or the town, Alex, but uh, on the way to his house, there's a red sign. This is unbelievable, folks. And, and the red sign is outside an Arab community. And the red sign basically says, hey, if you're Jewish, don't come here. If you do, if you do, you are taking your life into your own hands. There are signs on the road that warn Jewish people, if you go any further, you could die. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, they in the 90s, they divided up Israel into these uh, sections, specifically the disputed areas of Judea and Samaria. You know, Jews are Jews because they come from Judea. Uh, but these are the areas in which most uh, Palestinians live today, and they divided it up into areas A, B, and C. You know, C is where Jewish villages are. A and B is where Palestinian villages are. Uh, and if you're going to go near a, a village that is called Area A, and that's like Ramallah and Jericho and most of the Israeli cities, it is illegal under Israeli law for an Israeli to enter. And when they have those signs that say you're taking your life into your own hands, what they're basically doing is giving license to the Palestinians in those cities to kill Jews if they come in. Yeah, I don't understand that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Why would you allow that to happen for them? And then I asked these guys, I go, wow, who cares about a sign? Have there been examples of Jews that randomly got in? And they go, yes, just a couple of years ago, two soldiers lost their way. They got lost, ended up in Ramallah, and both were killed. Is that a true story? Yes, uh, that happened uh, several years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it's not like that for, for Arabs that want to come into Jewish town. So, you know, they are allowed to come in. Yes, yeah, um, I don't understand. You, 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 right, you, you got the media in the United States is horrible. I'm telling you, Alex, the government, this administration, we've been over this a million times. They're, they're not for Israel. You cannot fund Iran, which Biden has now done in not one but two two administrations alongside Obama. Do deals with Iran, loosen their sanctions, and say I'm pro-Israel. Can't be both. Okay, so the administration is horrible, and the media is horrible because time and time again, and of course the rallies in the streets of New York, these people refer to Israel as an apartheid. Wait a second. How is Israel an apartheid when you guys live amongst Arabs civilly and yet they have signs, you walk in here, we're going to kill you? How is that possible? Everything here is a double standard. You'll learn about that. Uh, you know, we have two forms of transportation in Jerusalem. We have a light rail, uh, it's a train, and then we also have a bus. So the light rail goes between Jewish uh, villages and air villages. So the enemies of Israel call that occupation because you're driving, you're taking your light rail and you go through the middle of the Arab village. Now, of course, the Arabs get to use that. Uh, and then you have the buses. And so it was determined that a different bus company would service the Palestinian uh, villages in, in Jerusalem. And that's not the same bus company that services the Jewish villages in Jerusalem. So that's called apartheid. So when you have uh, a system that, that serves both communities, that's occupation. When you have separate, that's called apartheid. Agreed. We're going to take a short break, Alex. We're going to bring you back because I do want to get into the real war here. While I mentioned what's going on in the South and we talked about some of these attacks that happened today in Haifa, others in Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago. It looks like the North is getting ready for a big battle. And talking to a lot of folks in Israel the last couple of days, they feel like that will change life forever for Israelis all over this country, including right here in Jerusalem. So we'll take a short break. We'll come back live once again from the JNS studios in beautiful Talpiat, Jerusalem, with the man who gave us the studios, Alex Trayman. More with Alex Trayman right after this. Singing, 
77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine. Do the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. Say beware, doll, you're bound to fall You thought they were all I'm kidding you You used to laugh about Everybody that was hanging out Now you don't talk so loud Now you don't seem so proud about having to be scrounging your next meal. Another great tune right here, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan here as we start the 8 o'clock hour. You know that last Peerless Boiler spot? I recognize that voice. That's our great sales girl. Love her, Leslie Slender, who just sent me a text. So proud of you. Proud to know you. You sound awesome. Bobby Hartman, a beautiful text. Joseph Abu, this is unbelievable radio. Joe Muria, nice text. And I do want to thank Judge Proust, who made his way to Israel last night. He's on the same flight as Danielle and Gabriel and Justin. Judge Proust and his beautiful right, wife, right Tammy. Behind us. He was sitting yeah, right he's a great us. guy. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, he used to, uh, he used to break Danielle's balls in, uh, <laughs> in court, and then he found out I was her husband. And <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got that vibe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy. Terrific. In fact, he went to shul that day in Woodmere. When um when I did the uh, the whole thing for ah, Dolph Hyken, so See. yeah, him and Rabbi Bloomstein. Let's get back to uh, Alex Trayman here at JNS. So when we uh, stopped the conversation moments ago, Alex, I said to you that while we're talking about the South still and Hamas and some attacks here and there across Israel, there's a real fear among the folks that live here, the folks that I have spoken to, that the war in the North is not a matter of if, it's inevitable. It's going to be when. And when it does, they expect basically Israel to be shut down. I mean, Jerusalem could be electricity, could mean uh, issue getting cash. There's a real fear that a war in the North will cripple Israel. Are you worried about that? Well, I think it's an anticipation at this point. Uh, I think most Israelis understand that uh, Hezbollah is the much more dangerous of the terror proxies on our border. Whatever whatever attack that Hamas was able to uh, carry out, which included a cross-border raid and, and the sending of uh, tens of thousands of, of rockets, you know, those are uh, short-range rockets for the most part, and they're not sophisticated rockets. Uh, Hezbollah has double, triple, maybe quadruple the number of soldiers um, in southern Lebanon, right, ready to, to try to, to breach the border. But they also have uh, as many as 150 and, well, 150,000 rockets, many of them long-range, many of them also precision-guided, so they can actually start targeting uh, strategic positions in Israel. And as you mentioned, that could be power plants, that could be the airport, uh, that could be natural gas rigs, uh, it could be the Knesset, it could be uh, the, the head of the IDF right. in Tel Aviv. So mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. can really put 
much of the country uh, under fire. Simple question. If you're fighting in the South and the North, as you say, becomes a much more difficult task with a lot more finances and people needed, does Israel have enough? Do we have enough uh, in terms of men, in terms of money, to fight the wars in the North and the South and God knows where else? Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's why the, the government's kind of been waiting to try to finish up uh, in the South first so that they can deploy the troops that are currently fighting in the south up to the north. Um, and you do have the question of how much uh, artillery, how much uh, rockets and missiles from uh, Israeli airplanes uh, do they really have? And you've seen uh, some uh, some uh, incidents in the Gaza Strip. We, we had uh, one where 21 uh, soldiers were killed detonating a building, uh, two buildings in the Gaza Strip, just about a week ago. And people said, well, why didn't the the Air Force just bomb those buildings from the sky? Why you have soldiers laying mines inside the buildings? To do well, I, 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 I know the answer. I know the answer to that already, and it's called uh, they they say outside pressure. But let's be honest, it's pressure from our president, our country, which is disgraceful. That's why those kids died because of pressure from the United States, which I'm not okay with. Well, there is that pressure, but there's also the military calculation, which says that the, the Air Force needs to, to stockpile all of its weaponry as much as possible. Because uh, if, you're, if you know that you're going to come under the attack of these uh, Hezbollah rockets, you have to go fast and furious inside Lebanon. Right now, you know, they're going very methodically, building to building, uh, taking their time, finding the tunnels. In, in Lebanon, you're not going to have the time to do that because the whole – the whole country is going to be under fire. So they, they have to go fast and furious inside uh, southern Lebanon. And they're, they're saying that they will try to take out as many of the uh, strategic sites that Hezbollah has, including uh, weapons depots, within the first 24 hours. And they need all the air power that they can muster. Wow, scary. Let me go back to the south. Two more will let you go, Alex. Uh, the hostages. As soon as I landed at Tel Aviv, you know, when you, when you, when I exit the airport, the airplane, I should say, there was this beautiful, beautiful area where um, I'm wearing not one but two necklaces today, and uh, Rabbi Bloomstein gave me one this morning, and, you know, it's, uh, it talks about bring home the hostages, and I think everybody in Israel is wearing these today. There had to be a 1,000 of them hanging from the ceiling in the airport. Then when you walk past that, there's a face of every hostage that is still being held. The number you hear is 136. I doubt that's it. I'm sure a lot of them are dead, a lot of them. Uh, might be a risk to young girls or not, and what they're doing to them on a daily basis is just inhumane. That's how I feel. Uh, anything, anything new on the hostages, developments, because it doesn't seem to me like Bibi and Israel right now, while they want to get these hostages out, there's no doubt about it. They even offered a two-week uh, pause, right, or a month pause just last week. Nothing's going to stop them from destroying Hamas. Nothing and nobody. Yeah, Israel has no choice. They have to take this to the end. It's more important to make sure that uh, Hamas is never able to carry out an attack like they did on October 7th and take even one more hostage. And, and that's hard. That creates a tremendous amount of tension because you know these families are pushing the government to make their loved ones who are, who are held captive the number one priority. Uh, but the government has to balance a, a lot of different considerations, including uh, a, not an unlimited timetable. 
to carry out its its actions inside Gaza. As you mentioned, there's a lot of American pressure. There's a lot of international pressure. We saw uh, what just happened last week at the International Court of Justice. Uh, so Israel needs to, to finish this as, as fast as possible, and, and it looks like they've been doing that. Uh, they, they tackled the north. Uh, they've moved through the center, and now they're fighting in the last Hamas uh, stronghold of Khan Yunus, and it's believed that they are getting closer and closer to uh, some of Hamas's senior leadership. And, and I think the question would be if at the end of this, there could be a way to uh, make a trade to get back the hostages uh, in exchange for allowing uh, some of Hamas's senior, senior leadership to, to exit the country into exile. You know, in the final 60 seconds, Alex, I've had people here on the ground tell me that uh, with children, of course, and you've got kids too, uh, young kids. And they said, listen, my kids know about what happened. Obviously, you can't hide it. Uh, but we don't give them the graphic details, and we stay away from telling our kids that they have kids who are hostages because our kids believe this is basically for adults, and they'd be even more scared if they knew that there are kids their age being held hostage right now. Do you and your wife, you guys uh, do the same thing in your home? Well, our kids know that there are kids held hostage, and it's, uh, we try to keep life as as normal as possible. We also try to explain to our kids that uh, we live in this tremendous time in history where the Jewish people actually get to fight uh, for their country, because there were so many generations where the Jews just had no opportunity to fight. And uh, yes, we still fight those battles, but uh, we have uh, an army, we have an air force, and and we will be victorious. Alex, uh, what can I say? Thank you so much for the studios. I'm sure I'll be seeing you uh, throughout the week. Your studios are beautiful. Your workforce is great. Your wife has been amazing. I mean that. And we're all very excited to have Shabbos dinner at your house coming up on Friday night. Thank you for everything. I'll see you and talk to you later. Thanks so much, Sid. My man, Alex Treman right there, JNS. That wraps up our number two. A little more Bob Dylan for you. I love myself some Bob Dylan. Big hour three coming up, including... My guy Steve Bannon, what's next for the 45th and hopefully the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump, Hour 3, coming at you. Nobody's ever taught you how to live out on the street, and now you're gonna have to get used to it. You say you never compromise with a mystery tramp, but now you Selling any alibis as you stare into the vacuum of his eyes and say, Do you want to make a Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. 77 WABC.
All right, back here locally now in Israel. It is uh, 3.20 in the afternoon, 8.20 back in New York City, live today from JNS Studios in Jerusalem. Today through Thursday, four shows. The messages keep coming in. Lisa Orban, valued member of our staff, saying some very, very nice things. Mike Sullivan and Jackie Hunter. You know, I love this song, Lou. I love the talking heads. And uh, my guy, Steve Zemak. We used to produce my show down in South Florida for many, many years at both 560 and 640. Steve Zemak's family lives in Israel as well, so thank you, Steve, for the kind comments. Mark Provazar took a walk with me this morning when um, I went to the Western Wall. There was a bunch of us. It was Yehuda Hanekman, who's one of the uh, people really most responsible for this trip. His buddy Aaron, Rabbi Bloom, was there from uh, Woodmere, and Mark. And uh, Josh was there, too. And um, Mark is a uh, really smart guy, and he's got some type of a cocked title. I don't know. He works for One Israel Fund, and basically, if you mess with a Jew, he's going to kill you. That's who he is. He looks like Indiana Jones. He's handsome. He's got the white beard. He wears the hat. He wears a lot of brown and greens. But he knows the history of Israel and is one brave son of a bitch. So with that said, uh, here he is, my new friend Mark. Why are you laughing? That's you. Is that not you? I guess it's definitely one side of me. Sure. <laughs> no, I know you're a nice guy. You got children. You even talk. I even said at one point to you, I said, with this um, war in the North becoming altogether possible, you're 61, but you look great. You look amazing. Thank you. I go, would you go back? And he said, no, 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 but I've got kids. So that's where I saw the father, Mark the father, and that was, that was sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a, it's a grim reality when you have kids uh, that serve. Yeah. It's tough. And they're both, one's 26 and one's 31, so they would go yeah. right into action right away. If, place. in fact, it starts in the north, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So tell me about uh, One Israel Fund. They, uh, they uh, put this trip together. Uh, you guys have been, you, you guys, you and Scott have been very generous. And uh, I spoke to Scott a couple of days ago. He was so excited about getting me here. This is my pilgrimage, as you know, my first yeah. time. Uh, tell me exactly what you guys do. So One Israel Fund is an organization... Uh, I believe it started in 93, actually. Uh, a lot of major Jewish organizations uh, put a limit on what they call the green line. They tend to forget that there are Jews living throughout Judea and Samaria and don't assist. Don't assist. They don't help. And the green line, uh, you, you pointed it out to me this morning. I'll give you what uh, it reminds me of. I used to go to Lake Tahoe every year for the celebrity golf tournament. It was a big deal. Yeah. I covered it three straight summers. Gorgeous. There's a line in the street. In the street, Mark, one side says Nevada, one side says California. You walk over that line, a line in the street, you're in a different state. That's, the green line is not exactly like that, but close, right? Know, that's, ex that's exactly it. A lot of people don't realize just how close, in a sense, it is. And, but, these, uh, but that separates uh, not uh, Nevada and California, but Jews and Arabs. Uh, no, 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 it separates Judea and Samaria. Okay, what a lot of people like to call the West Bank, right? Which I think is not correct. But uh, why do you say that? Because the West Bank of the Jordan is from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. That's why I say it. Okay, and so they're just geographically incorrect. Well, I think they're they're not. People just like to say, "Oh, that's the West Bank," you know. Mm -hmm. And when uh, I think when the the Arabs speak about the West Bank. They're actually talking about Israel. Right, right. All of, all of Israel. Right, right. But, uh, so you guys came into existence uh, basically to well, represent. Well, not to represent, but to, to provide assistance. You know, there's always been a lot of philanthropic uh, 
uh, actions and efforts to, to assist uh, Israel, and the major Jewish federations and organizations really put that on their line. They're not going to help these people over there. And when Israel Fund came about to provide exactly that from all... Well, give me something practical you guys assist with. What exactly is it? Food, is it? Well, not, security. Well, security is obviously one of the things that's uh, what I deal with. But there was also, whether it be community projects, schools, uh, synagogues, uh, courses, anything and everything to make, to build up a quality of life. Yeah. That's what they do. And like I said, my niche is simply security because that's the world I... Live in, from. right, because you're not like Scott right now in uh, the five towns. <laughs> right, Scott and I, we're a little different. Yeah, right? a little different. Uh, both wonderful men, but a little different. So um, are you one of these folks, again, I, I had it all wrong, man. You know, you're up in New York, and I'm under the same impression that, yeah, Jews and Arabs get along. In fact, I thought you guys stopped using the word Arabs. You know, I thought that became kind of like nasty. And I've gotten it all wrong, at least these two days. Um you guys, almost everyone I speak to, to a man, anecdotal, but to a man, is like, enough of these people. This is our land. It's not theirs. It's not theirs. And we, we've been kind enough to allow them to live here, and we don't mess with them. We don't bother them, and they keep attacking us. Enough is enough. This is your land, right? I personally feel it's our land, and... Uh... I mean, that's. But you put showed it me proof this morning, even when you showed me the tunnels underneath the Western Wall. Yeah, look, there, there. Anyone who denies our historical connection is. I don't, I don't know how I have to. How much of my language I have to tone down here? No, you can go crazy. Oh, okay. I think you so, can tell already. Right. But people love me, okay, there you go. <laughs> including you. So a lot, a lot of people. Again, the minute that they say that we have no claim to this land, they're basically full of shit. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not talking religious. I'm, I'm not even going to take it biblical or anything. Even though obviously there is that, in a big way. I'm just talking historical facts. That's it. That's you, it. That historic, you, you saw it today. I saw it. Anyone who studies. History. Anyone with a quarter of a brain who studies history, who goes along the timeline, sees our existence here. So when they say the Jews weren't here or you don't have, that's crap. It's crap. They're always it's here. Full of crap. And some of these Arab villages that you pointed out to me today, close to the Western Wall, um, they believe it was there for a thousand years, maybe less than a hundred. They're just wrong. Now, that comes down to, I guess, their parents, their grandparents, so they've been misled, misguided. But they actually believe that nonsense. Well, there, there's a, it, it, look, the story is it goes a lot more than just that. It's it's not that simple. Um, first of all, a lot of the towns throughout Judea and Samaria have, have a Jewish history to them, and the Arabs like to say no. The Arabs who who like to say no. There that being said, there are a lot of Arabs that understand that no, and we're not. You know, I'm not going to stereotype all of them. I've worked with Arabs many many years, many years in a very good way. I've helped them out where I can. I, I really, my concept of security is keeping quiet. And I like humans. I just don't like humans killing each other. That's my, my issue. But I've gotten the feeling that, that even though uh, you like humans and you've worked with Arabs and you're trying to find a way here to be nice, which is very nice of you, that at least the guys I speak to, you just don't trust them. I, that there I, could be a guy you could work with for 20 years. You could wake up one morning and decide, I want to kill right. you. That's right. That's right. That's what can happen. And that, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people who believed differently on October 7th got a, a vicious wake-up call. And it wasn't just October 7th. I mean, we can take it back to the Intifada of 2000 when people thought, hey, everything would be fine. And the next thing they know, that these were people who were identifying with the left 
wing of, of, of the, the spectrum. Of, yeah. yeah, and yeah. saying. And, well, well, interesting. I, I found it uh, fascinating this morning, and you're a great person to, to walk with. Was forget about 2000, forget about October 7th. You took it all the way back. Oh, to the destruction of the temple. You said that was our first clue. And it's still going on. Absolutely. Why is that? Absolutely. Look, what we saw, we saw remnants of the first temple. We saw remnants of the second temple, which was our, that we were here, which was actually the last time that there was a sovereign Jewish entity in this land until 1948. And in 1948, and what did I say? Let's bring it back to history. Everyone was up there saying, okay, after the war, the Jews were coming back to Israel, actually had no choice, really. And what did the Arabs do? What did five Arab armies do? They attacked Israel. They attacked with the intent of destroying everybody here. Now, this was after the world decided on the first, let's call it the first two-state solution, where they said, you know, they took this area region. Again, if we study just history, the whole region was called Palestine, not based on anything, but Hadrian. It goes back all the way. So Jordan gets separate. Then you have Jordan and Palestine. And then the UN comes up with their solution, their first two-state solution. Jews are getting this. Arabs are getting this. And whatever, you know, that, that's the first step. Yeah. Israel declares independence. They declare themselves a state. All the Arab nations attack to destroy Israel. And the crime that the Jewish people commit then is that we win. We won. Right. And we didn't lose and we didn't die and the arabs have not forgiven us since then that's right there's no question so with about, with about three minutes to go um we won like you said but there's still that two-state solution that is bandied about all the time the president of my country who i think is a moron uh, i know he's old and he's feeble and he's losing his mind and but he's also stupid and evil he really is and doesn't care about you people i don't know how you feel but he doesn't care um because he'll you know gladly give Iran $6 billion and then cry on TV about Israel. You can't do both. Uh, he is still talking about a two-state solution. Uh, last I checked, you guys have tried that for decades and decades and decades, and they keep epping it up. What am I missing here? You're missing that they, you know, when the whole Oslo talks started and they were going to say, oh, Judea and Samaria or the West Bank, that was going to become a Palestinian state. There were certain conditions to start. First, stop educating your kids to kill Jews. Yeah, at like seven years old. <laughs> no, we can go, it's way Even before younger. seven. Okay, that was the first thing. That's never, that's never stopped. Uh, it, it, the Arabs have not accepted Israel. They haven't accepted Israel. And, and, that's and they never will. It's, it's been too long so, now. But so this, and this is what, you know, in a sense where it gets me, look, I, I was in the army here. I fought, my first war was Lebanon. I fought in the Intifada. And obviously I was involved with this last, with this ongoing thing it's there's not enough of them that want to live in peace and i take war very 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 personally yeah i've experienced it i've experienced more terrorism than most people i don't like people dying and it seems that they don't care they don't care and october 7th what's been going on is exact proof what they thought that we would just lie back why they massacred and committed such atrocities no they knew you wouldn't that's why they took uh, all but, these hostages but without any care of their own people Oh, they don't care, those They places. don't care. care. And the world, the world, all the enlightened and the progressive, they're even coming out against Israel. Including they, us. They have lost their minds, they have. basically. And, and for these innocent pa Palestinians I keep hearing about, uh, I saw the videos. You live here, Mark. 
of uh, Palestinians in the streets dancing, children handing out candy. Yep. It is he more that uh, disturbed to me about this whole thing. And, uh, and yes, all over the world. I mean, are you disgusted as a man living here who has fought? And um, and you're a pretty silly guy, silly guy. You're a tough guy. Are you disgusted I, by I, what you've seen from the world? Absolutely. I, I can't believe that we're living in such a world where not only are people ignoring these atrocities, but are celebrating them. And I'm not talking about this uh, the, the primitive little whatever living in some far-off village. I'm talking about... The intellectuals, I'm talking about the students of Ivy League colleges. Yeah. My God. What, what, these are our future leaders? Well, these are the same morons, too, that um, walked around New York City. You know, there's a guy named George Floyd who was murdered. Yeah. Was sad, he was murdered. And by a cop who, by the way, is in prison. It's not like that cop is living in, in, in Hallandale, Florida. He's where he belongs, in prison. But that didn't stop these animals from no. causing a real insurrection. Trump, there was no insurrection. There was a, one person died that day. A black cop killed a white lady who wasn't armed that day. That's a fact. No cops died. The, the insurrection was what happened in any given city all summer long in 2020. In Atlanta, in Seattle, in New York, in Portland, in Chicago. They burned down police stations. They beat up cops in the streets. That was over a guy, George Floyd, who was arrested nine times and put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. Excuse me, he doesn't deserve the reverence and the love. Same thing with the Arabs. You've got three million Arabs here. How do you fix this? That's the question. No, that's an answer I can't... Uh... That's a question I can't answer, but there's, I, there's something, some food for thought that people should look at a little bit. If we look at that, uh, we'll take it back to Occupy Wall Street. Yes. To the BLM movement, to this movement. If you study it, you will see a pattern. You'll see a continuing pattern. And it's unfortunate, and it keeps on growing. And this is, in a sense, the real problem behind all this. And people are ignoring it. It is a pattern. This is going through. We're, I, I'm always curious just to play with words. What's the next cause? Yeah, I know. And, they're, they're, and they're just waiting for it. They, exactly. George Soros, these college kids, they're just waiting. What's next? And it doesn't matter. Uh, these pro-Palestinians, they're out there advocating murder, advocating murder, and they don't care. Hey, uh, you're great. Uh, anything else on the way out about One Israel Fun you just want to let the listeners know about? No, I, I think that the people that care, I think I call One Israel Fun a total humanitarian organization because, in, in first of all, besides, like I, I mentioned, the community projects, but in the realm of security, just trying to keep people alive, keep them safe, giving them basic human rights. And uh, it's interesting. And I combine that with my art, which I got yeah. to show you one time. Yeah, right? I can't wait to see your art. I'm Absolutely. actually going to buy one of your pieces. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you keep coming back and I spend the rest of the week with you because I find you to be absolutely fascinating. A wonderful thank guy, you. sweet thank guy, you. but very you're a smart guy and fascinating. So thank you very I much. Try. Thank you. My man. What a pleasure. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. That's Mark. And uh, Scott, of course, runs the organization, but Mark keeps us all safe. That is a, that's a good dude right there. One Israel fun. We'll take a short break. When we get back, my buddy Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon talking Donald Trump. Right after this on Sid and Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel. Seventy-seven WABC. 
Steve Bannon will join me coming up next as we continue live from Jerusalem. And what a job by Lou Rafino today. Lou, you are playing some great tunes, man. You do every day. You're a genius. I do want to thank our Rich Rider Belly also for showing up early this morning. I F up his name every day, but that's fine. Thank you, Rich. And, of course, Curtis Sliwa, who has been sitting in studio all day long just in case we have any difficulties. And Curtis was great on this program about two hours ago. Me and um, Justin right now sharing tuna fish sandwiches provided by um, Avia here at uh, JNS. She's been great. I'm doing the trick. Yeah, it's, that's good enough. It's a half a sandwich because I'm going to have a very early dinner tonight. Yes. And go to bed. Yeah. Because none of us have slept. I no. mean, none of us. No, absolutely none of us. Yeah, so you're going to see your aunt and uncle tonight? Yes, I am. It was interesting. I showed up at the hotel last night, and um, the guy behind the desk, who was not speaking a lot of English, well. was able to say to me, you have a message. I said, I have a message. I said, the one thing I did do the last couple of weeks, you guys will notice, is none of you know where I'm staying. None of you. I did not mention the name of the hotel, and I won't, because uh, I'm less concerned about getting killed by a Palestinian, which could happen, and uh, what are you crazy people just showing up, because you love me. So sure enough, I get to the hotel, you got a message, I go, oh my God, and he said the name, I did not recognize the name, Mm -hmm. but it turns out it's your psychotic aunt. Yeah. It was well, a lovely lady. I shouldn't say that. Who also showed up at the airport just to give a kiss. Oh, so she is a psycho. Yeah. Yeah, but she sounds like a sweet oh, lady. Oh, she's the absolute best. So you're going to be with her tonight, right? Yeah, I'll be with her sounds tonight. Nice. My, is uh, that your mom's sister? Or your my dad? mom, my mom's sister. That's awesome. And they live uh, in Haifa? No, no. Modine. Oh, Modine. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, but, you have cousins and stuff? Yeah. Oh, I that's got, great. I got three cousins. One's got uh, a couple of kids. Nice. Uh, one's just married, and one's getting married in July. Oh, you're coming back for that? Yeah. You're going to be back in a couple of months. Uh-huh. You better be careful, bro. I know. July could be exactly the time they start the war in the north. Well, okay. And you'll go from producing my show to fighting <laughs> fighting up in uh, Beirut. <laughs> they don't want me. Are you ready for that? <laughs> no. Well, you're the, you're the perfect age. Uh, yeah, but they don't want me. I know they don't want you, but you look like you can get it. You can. You got a gun. On the surface, yeah. You know, one thing I, 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 you would have said to me, goes, oh, uh, no, it was Aaron. His friend Aaron said, uh, they noticed, of course, that I work out. You know, I haven't worked out in two days. That's a whole other story. But I get back to the gym tomorrow. And they said the Israelis don't look like that. They're usually like kind of skinny or kind of fat, yeah, yeah. but they have guns, yes. you know, so, which work a lot better than uh, muscle dudes. I grew up my beard just for that. Is that right? Yeah. You look like you, uh, you live here, yeah. You look yeah. good, though. You look good. Thank like your jacket, you. the whole thing Thank is good. You. Thank you. All right, we'll take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk to Steve Bannon, plus Congressman Anthony D'Esposito. Once again, on my Instagram, so many people the last couple of days have sent these beautiful videos wishing us good luck in Israel, be safe, have a great time, thanking us for a great show already this morning. And Anthony D'Esposito sent one of those. Well, how about that? Steve Bannon for Live in Jerusalem. We're coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. 
earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Hey, you getting drunk? So we're going to head down to the southern part of Israel on Friday. We're not doing a show on Friday, of course. We're working Monday through Thursday. Friday is the Sabbath, and these studios and uh, uh, other things shut down early. And it just so happens that sometime in the middle of our show on Friday, the Sabbath would start, and they're not going to be open here. So no show on Friday. You've got us uh, the rest of today. I think we've had a great three hours. And Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then Friday morning, we're going to make our way down to the south. And that promises to be the most emotional part of this trip. That is, of course, where all those real atrocities took place. We will be at the Nova Music Festival my friend Natalie Sanindaji, I just spoke to her this morning. She survived that. She's been in studio with us. Uh, we'll be there, and uh, we'll also be at some of those kibbutzim where the uh, people were just absolutely destroyed, you know, throwing babies in ovens and all these things that happened, and yet uh, somehow folks uh, in New York march up and down the streets and say that Israel's making all this up, which is... Uh, Really hard to believe. So Steve Bannon just texted me, and uh, he said, uh, I'm in Vegas. I'm at a live show. We're in a place with virtually no reception. Planet Hollywood for the Republican National Convention. Trump is there, too. And uh, so he's decided, based upon the lousy reception, not to ruin our show, which I think is very, very nice of Steve to uh, pass for today. And he'll be back with us when we're back in New York, and he's back in what does he live against Steve uh, Washington next week? Uh, right. Virginia, one of those spots. Yeah, he lives right around the swamp. Yeah, right around there. So we'll talk to uh, Bannon coming up next week. Congressman Anthony D'Esposito will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We've got a special phone call coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as well. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. I may open the phones like I did Friday late in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll see. So keep it right here, folks. Sid Rosenberg, Sid and Friends in the Morning, live from Jerusalem, as we're going to be through Thursday, giving you coverage of the war in Israel and, of course, the news from around the world, including Super Bowl 58, which for the second time in four years will feature the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. More of me from Jerusalem next. We're not going to take it. Never did and never will We're not gonna take it Gonna break it Gonna shake it Let's forget it better still Now you can hear me Your ears are truly sealed speak either your mouth is filled you can't see nothing and pinball completes the scene here comes Uncle Ernie to guide you to your very own machine we're not gonna take it we're not gonna take it we're not gonna take it we're not gonna take it. We're not gonna take it. Never did and never will. Don't want no religion. Never 
Friends in the Morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. Led there by the great Phil Collins. I hope and is great. Mike Rutherford, all the guys. Land of confusion, which some would say would describe Israel. Pretty good these days. Uh, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito is about to call us. Find out what the latest is with uh, immigration reform. So we'll talk to Anthony coming up here momentarily. You know, one thing they said about Israel, and again, I'm only one day in. I had one dinner in Jerusalem last night. I had uh, one breakfast in Jerusalem this morning, and uh, a small lunch. So I haven't eaten a hell of a lot. And I'm eating less these days anyway because I'm on this uh, Danielle Rosenberg, not really a diet, but trying to stay uh, in shape. You know, not easy. I'm going to be 57. So um, the one thing I did notice was they love carbohydrates here. They love carbs, man. Every meal has hummus. Every meal. You could have Fruit Loops and hummus, tricks and hummus, and uh, olive oil. Oh, my God. They put olive oil on everything. So, well, uh, carbs. And, uh, but no one's really fat here in, uh, in Israel. A couple of guys. But most people are relatively slim. Yeah. But I notice a lot of carbs here. Yeah, there are a lot of carbs. I mean, uh, but there's also a lot of protein. A lot of protein, you know, yes. Every meal pretty much includes some sort of meat. Yes. Um, and, well, uh, I had chicken last night. Yeah. They did try to sell meat on me. You know, they have like a shawarma shop every yeah. 15 feet. Uh-huh. I'm not a huge shawarma guy. I like falafel, but I like shawarma, but I'm not a yeah. – are you a big shawarma guy? I'm a big shawarma guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I feel like your breast stinks afterwards. Yeah. Oh, like, like, like right now you had a tuna fish sandwich. You stink. Well, you have the same sandwich and you stink. I know, but no, I don't smell bad like you. Okay. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was nervous to have it. Like, I, I don't eat public uh, tuna fish in public because I'm afraid I have to talk to somebody afterwards. Right. It's going to smell. Right. But, you're just um, spitting the uh, the projectiles in my face. <laughs> instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be sitting next to me. Yeah. Nothing I can do about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But I am hungry, and we're going to eat an early dinner tonight so we can go to bed at a normal hour. Probably get uh, nine, ten hours of sleep and come back tomorrow because I know this. I looked at my itinerary up and through uh, through Saturday, and they've got me. Yehuda has me doing stuff all day, every day. You too. Yeah. A tour tomorrow. That's Dove Hikins Group. Tour Wednesday. One Israel Funds Group to the south on Friday to see the Kibbutz and the Nova Music Festival. Uh, dinners at night. Uh, Shabbos dinner with Alex Trayman on Friday night. So we are basically busy the next four days. So tonight may be the only real chance 
you know, to get some sleep and, uh, you know, be a little calm. Yeah. But you're not doing that. You're going to your aunt's house. So. No, I'm not going to her house. We're going out to dinner in Tel Aviv. Oh, you oh, in Tel Aviv. Yeah. That's a 45-minute trip. It'll be fine. How are you getting there? Uh, she picked me up. Oh, she's picking and you up. And we're going to drive. And she's going to take you back. Exactly. Okay, it's not terrible. No. All right, we're going to talk to, uh, I believe, Yehuda's father coming up at some point this hour. And uh, Anthony D'Esposito as well, the number 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Big stories again today. Well, I guess the biggest one is the three Americans killed, not far from here. I told you guys this morning, I went to the Western Wall today and... First time, quite an experience, and prayed by the Wailing Wall. And uh, when you walk just to the right of that wall, you can see Jordan. You can see the mountains of Jordan, and that is exactly where those three Americans were killed just yesterday. Uh, obviously, uh, Iran proxy, uh, Iraq, Syria, all these uh, countries involved. And now we wait to see what the U.S. does. You know, Biden promised a swift repercussion, but... My God, I mean, is there anything less intimidating than a threat from Joe Biden? I mean, all kidding aside, Lou, can you think of anything less intimidating than a threat from Joe Biden? Let me tell you something, Jack. We're going, we're coming at Jack. Where where are we? I, uh, yeah, Jack. uh, That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. He's going to hurt you. I like uh, chocolate pudding. uh, (laughs) Now, on the other hand, my guy Trump, who is in uh, Vegas, and uh, that's where Steve Bannon is. That's why he's calling in next Monday. He was uh, on fire once again. He kept talking about freedoms. They're taking my freedom because they want yours. And he's right about that. Let's play this, in fact, before Anthony Desposito comes on. This is Trump in Nevada over the weekend. He's got Nevada. And then he's about three weeks away from clobbering Nikki Haley. I mean clobbering Haley. He'll beat her by 35 to 40 points in our own state of South Carolina. Then maybe that biatch will shut up and go away. This is a Trump in Nevada, Lewis, cut number two. Never forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. Never, ever. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. That's what they want to do. That's the game they play. And in the end, they're not after me. They're after you. I just happen to be standing in the way. Here I am. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Had a good time. So the biggest problem in our nation today is not uh, how we treat transgenders. It's not white supremacy, which doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. I got a lot more examples of African-American kids beating up Asians and Jews in New York every single day. It's none of that. It's the border. We've been over this a million times. I'll talk to Desposito coming up momentarily about immigration reform. That's what Democrats do because they refuse to accept responsibility for ruining it. Donald Trump did a great job. He had remained in Mexico. That was big. Yes, he did add Title 42 because of COVID. But before COVID, they were not coming into this country. I've said this, and I'll say it again. I did a show with Bernard, God rest his soul, for four years. I never said the word migrant once. Not once. When Trump was president, now it's every day, every day. Don't tell me it's immigration reform. I'm not stupid. Joe Biden unraveled everything Donald Trump did well to secure the border. Him, Mayorkas, and that moron vice president, Kamala Harris. He doesn't need a bill to, rescu- to, to secure the border. 
doesn't need any of that, which Trump made very clear in Nevada this weekend. Donald Trump, Lewis, cut number five. The fact is that if Joe Biden truly wanted to secure the border, he doesn't really need a bill. I didn't need a bill. I did it without a bill. I did it with the current laws. I used Border Patrol. I didn't have a bill. I didn't need lots of different things. It's not that complicated. You say, I don't want the people coming in. They say, yes, sir. Really that easy. So, but they're still breaking the balls of all these Congress folks with immigration reform. And while uh, we want uh, the money, and this is going to fall on Johnson and these folks, to go to America and, of course, some to Israel. I'm sick of giving money to Ukraine. Uh, Let's see what happens next. So with that said, here he is, as he said, as he said when he cut that really nice Instagram video last night, congratulating me on my trip to Israel. I am Sid's favorite congressman, Anthony D'Esposito out of Long Island. Good morning, Anthony. What's up, Sid? How are you? How's uh, how's Israel? It's amazing. I've only been here for one day, but I did the the Western slash Welling Wall this morning, and that was emotional enough for a month, let alone one day. And people are amazing, and they're great. And, you know, look, uh, they're very appreciative that I've come. I can't tell you how they really are almost in tears over the fact that I came here, but they're angry. Uh, they're very angry with the American government, with the with the with the back talk, the double talk out of Joe Biden, who claims he's there for Israel but funds Iran, and they're starting to feel like no one in the world cares about them except for them. That's how they feel, and hard to argue that, Anthony. Absolutely, that's one hundred percent right. And uh, you know, we, we've seen over and over again that the decisions, or I should say, really the lack of decisions that are being made by the administration, are completely indicative of what we're dealing with at the southern border. And uh, like the 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 uh, piece that you just played, uh, where President Trump mentioned that he didn't need bills, and, and that's really the case in this situation. If President Biden wanted to secure our border, he could. But the fact is that he's left this in the hands of uh, someone who's completely been derelict in his duties and, and I would argue uh, has completely turned his back on this country. And that's why uh, the House of Representatives and the uh, the Homeland Security Committee, led by the Republicans, uh, tomorrow is going to begin marking up a bill to impeach him. Yeah, and I'm happy about that. I mean, look, I still the buck still falls with Biden for me. Mayorkas is just a player for Biden. If Biden wants to secure the border, it wouldn't matter what Mayorkas wanted to do. So to me, it all goes back to Biden. And I don't want Biden to be impeached. I want him to go away. Just go away and do the world a favor. But I'm okay with starting with impeaching Mayorkas. And I've heard him time and time again go back and forth. I've heard him say the border is secure. Then I've heard him say the border is an issue. What is Mayorkas saying lately about the border? What's his new story? Well, he's not saying much. What he's doing is uh, he's letting the uh, you know the Senate, who, who now wants to have some sort of negotiation, uh, you know, after uh, we sent the secure the, the secure the border act HR two over to the Senate uh, probably two hundred and fifty two hundred and sixty days ago. Uh, I would argue it was one of the most comprehensive border bills, border security, to secure this country uh, that we've seen in a long time. And it's been collecting dust like much other legislation over on Schumer's desk. And now you have, because uh, as we both know, uh, Biden's uh, approval rating and poll numbers, even in places where he was successful in 2020, uh, his poll numbers are in the dumpster. And that dumpster is about to go on fire. And now they want to have a negotiation. And and their negotiation, which is insane, uh, is, well, uh, how about we only allow 1.8 million uh, people into the country a year. I mean, that, that's, your, that's what you want to bargain with. Uh, I think what we need to do is, is, is 
get rid of Mayorkas, which is what we're going to start tomorrow. But like you said, this is a Biden issue. It's a Biden policy. Uh, he's choosing not to enforce the laws that are in place. He's literally handcuffing uh, the, the Border Patrol agents that are along our southern border, not allowing them to do their job. And it needs to change. That's the only way we're going to make this country more safe and secure our border. Well said, Anthony D'Esposito, and he may be right, my favorite congressman. He's right there. Nancy Mason's a good buddy of mine, too. She was on last week, and I told her, I said, you know, I get Steve Bannon on the show every Monday. He begged out today because he's in Vegas, but, you know, just uh, two Mondays ago, he was ripping Johnson. He was not happy. It sounded like he was talking about Kevin McCarthy again because he didn't seem to think that Johnson had the coyotes, the bulls, if you will, to get this uh, deal done where they get uh, the money for the border. That's it, you know, and and uh, Nancy Mace didn't necessarily disagree. She certainly likes Johnson more than McCarthy, but she didn't seem confident that people like Bannon would get uh, exactly what they want. What are your thoughts on Bannon's stance on Johnson? I don't think that, uh, unfortunately, in, in this world of uh, of government and politics, politics, and especially uh, in the House of Representatives, where we're uh, where we're, we're, operating with a very slim majority, I don't think everyone gets everything that they want. But I am confident in uh, Speaker Johnson's leadership. Uh, we've been, as New Yorkers, have been talking to him over the last few days about issues that are uh, very important in New York, in addition to, to stuff that, uh, you know, with regards to the border. Um, I know that he's working hard. He's doing his best. He's also out there uh, raising money so that we can uh, not only win seats, but grow our majority, which we so desperately need. Uh, so I have faith in, in Speaker Johnson. I know that he's working as hard as he can. He's a smart guy. He knows uh, he knows the game. Um, and I really, truly believe that he has the best interest of this country in his heart. You mentioned the fact that he's working on stuff from New York. And uh, I remember I yelled at you on the radio. I yelled at Nancy, too, when, when uh, Newt Ginwich put us one of the uh, traitor eight after the house at McCarthy. And then I yelled at you because you didn't vote Jim Jordan. And you said, well, Sid, Jim Jordan is not doing for Long Island what we need so when you say Johnson is doing for New York, I have to imagine he's doing what Jim Jordan wouldn't do. And what are some of those things specifically? Well, I mean, first, we, we already saw that uh, he made it a priority uh, about the 9-11 health care bill. It was something that, uh, you know, wasn't really on the radar. And uh, he, we told him that it was very important to us on Long Island and in New York. And as part of the NDAA, we were able to secure uh, funding to bring that number up to being fully funded. So that's, uh, you know, that's one promise made and promise kept by, uh, by Speaker Johnson. Now we're in the process of working on uh, trying to get some sort of base hit in, the, uh, in restoring some sort of salt deduction uh, back to these heavily taxed states, especially, obviously, New York, and, and provide some relief to taxpayers. We're working on, on flood insurance, national flood insurance. And again, when it comes to the politics, I mean, he's going to be in town this week, uh, you know, campaigning with, uh, with Mozzie Pillip, who's, uh, I think is going to have a great victory on February 13th. We had a, a big rally for her, uh, on Saturday. Peter King was there, members of the New York delegation, Nicole Maliotakis, Lolota, Garbarino, Molinaro, Lawler. Um, we had probably six, seven hundred people in the room. We were out there knocking doors, sending text messages. She's raising money. Um, and I think uh, Swazi, he just keeps showing signs of desperation. I mean, literally following her to press conferences. Uh, it's, it's not the, uh, the person that we want representing us. And I'm looking forward uh, to welcoming Mozzie to Washington, D.C. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I am too, but the reality is is that she can lose, and uh, I'm not even sure she's a favorite at this point. She's run a great campaign. She's an impressive lady. I'm not going to keep going over the fact she's a registered Democrat. That's getting boring already, but it is going to hurt her. That's going to hurt her. I'm telling you right now. I know people are in, Nass in Nassau County not going to vote 
Not going to vote for him, obviously, but not going to vote because she's still a Democrat, but it's a Democrat. So I believe that's going to hurt her. She may lose because of that. So and, and let's. That's why. That's why we're out there doing doing the things that we are. That's why. Well, we're they don't care. That's why they don't care. They don't care. Point out. The, that she's yeah. had a voting record in the county legislature voting 100% of the time with Republicans. They don't care. They don't care. I'm, I'm with you. Believe me, I love her. I think she's a great choice, and I'm with you. But I'm, And, again, it's just people I speak to, they don't care how many doors you knock on, what you say, what Pete King says, what Joe Cairo says. As far as they're concerned, she's a Democrat. But that's fine. Let's move away from that, and let's talk about the worst-case scenario, because you're laughing, because you know I'm right. If she loses, <laughs> left again, I must be really right. If she loses, God forbid, then what are we looking at, Anthony? Because they redistricted all these other areas, so Mark Molinaro may be, may be in trouble. I mean, you may be in trouble. So what are we looking at if Pillip loses? I mean, we'll see. Listen, we're, we're, like we said a few minutes ago, we're operating with a slim majority. Uh, the, the facts are we're going to see what the, Nest, the, the New York uh, Democrats do to redistricting. I mean, uh, we saw a couple of years ago where they went way too far. They gerrymandered districts. They lost a lawsuit. That's what led to the redistricting in the 2022 election. Um, we'll see how far they take it this time and how disingenuous they try to be. Uh, and, you know, obviously I don't think we're going to have an answer on what the maps look like until after the February 13th. Uh, special election, and then we'll be able to sit down, strategize, and get a good understanding. And, you know, between the leadership in the state and, of course, the leadership on Long Island, between Chairman Garcia and Chairman Cairo, uh, we'll come up with a winning strategy, and we'll do our best to uh, to maintain the seats that we have and keep uh, moving forward with, with Republican governance. On the way out, Anthony, you're always terrific, and I appreciate it. You're at the airport. Are you going to D.C.? Where are you going? Yeah, I'm heading back to D.C. Okay, great. So uh, in the next uh, the 30 to 60 seconds, tell me, putting the money for the border aside, which most of us believe uh, should be a top priority, Israel, Ukraine, I wanted to go to Israel. I'm sick of giving money to Ukraine. I have yeah. no idea where that money went, hundreds of billions of dollars. Only God knows. Maybe Zelensky's got a new condo in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. Tell me what the, what the deal is between the money between Israel and Ukraine. So right now, I actually I spoke uh, on Saturday night at Shabbos uh, at the Young Israel of West Hempstead. Uh, they they knew that I was uh, speaking there, so someone earlier in the day called in a bomb threat. But thankfully, uh, Commissioner Ryder, County Executive Blake, and they were all over at the Nassau County Police Department, did a great job, spoke there. And uh, I mentioned uh, that I think the, the best and uh, most important thing that we can be doing moving forward in the immediate is to have that standalone bill to fund Israel. Uh, they are our greatest allies. We need to continue to provide all the resources that they need uh, in order to eradicate Hamas from this planet. Um, and, and that's, I think, what's, uh, what the priority is. I mean, I represent one of the largest Jewish districts probably in the country, but that's not why I'm saying it. I'm saying it because it's important for, for humanity, it's important for democracy, and it's important for both of our countries. Uh, so that's what I'm going to continue to push for. And listen, uh, I'm, I will be going on my fourth trip to Israel very shortly. It is uh, a life-changing wow. experience. So take it all in. Um, you're allowed to shed tears, even though you're a big, strong, tough guy. You're allowed to <laughs> shed some tears. Um, but I mean it. Uh, take it in because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a life-changing experience. It really has been uh, just one day for me, and uh, I've already seen exactly what you're talking about. Thank you for that wonderful video. Thank you again for another great appearance this morning. Travel safely, uh, safely to D.C., Anthony. You're terrific, buddy. I really love you. Thank you so much. Sid, stay safe. Toda.
my man. All right, there he is, Anthony D'Esposito, uh, of course, congressman out of Long Island, terrific congressman, on his way to Washington, D.C. All right, lots more to do, not nearly done, till Brian Kilmeade comes your way in about 35 minutes. We may hear from famed defense attorney Arthur Idala, may hear from Yuda Honigman's dad, or who knows what. Sid, live from Israel, I'm coming back. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. WABC. Thirty-two here in Israel, which means, of course, it's nine thirty-two back home. The messages I can't even respond to. The messages are coming in so fast and furious between WhatsApp and these other social media sites. So just know that I've seen every one of them. Heshi Organbaum, who left us a wonderful recording we played earlier today, and has a couple of spots running for two of his sons. Beautiful message. And uh, Jeffrey Dieres, I love this kid. He, um, he's he been a fan of me and me and Bernie in my FAN days for a long time. I mean, a long time. And he is uh, loving the show, says we sound crystal clear. His grandma is a Holocaust survivor. Mike Sullivan telling me former Syracuse star Jason Cipolla, whose uh, son plays in the St. Francis Summer Basketball League with my son Gabriel, Tells me uh, Sepulveda's brother is a Jew that lives in Israel. He may call in at some point this week. And, again, I don't leave anybody out because the messages have been coming in all day long. But it does warm my heart to know that you guys um, appreciate this, just like so many folks on the ground here do. I, I almost wish that John Katsimatidis and Margot and Chad and the folks at home, who, of course, gave us our blessings to make this happen, can see this. I don't think they have any idea. I really don't. They're smart people. But I don't think they have any idea the impact that we are making this week, both at home and abroad. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. So remember, Sid cares, New York cares, America cares, and WABC cares. Just remember that. Uh, Susan Spivak also checking in, a uh, very, very good friend of mine. From upstate New York, my next-door neighbor with her sisters, Cheryl and Hindi, and her beautiful parents, Shelly and Sheila. Talking about parents, uh, the gentleman that really made this trip a go, he did all the real hard legwork, Yehuda Honigman, who picked me up all the way at the airport in Tel Aviv last night, 
and uh, took me out for dinner in Jerusalem with his buddies last night. Met me early this morning to take me to the wall and made sure I had a lift here to the studios today. He's just been, he's been terrific. His father, you know, I met his father, Justin, in shul when I went to um, Dove Hike in shul and Rabbi Bloomstein celebrated me that day. I spoke at the Kaddush. We had a beautiful lunch that afternoon. And I met his father, I believe, Stuart, for a couple of minutes. And he's on the line right now. He may be here. I'm not sure. Stuart Honickman, how are you, buddy? You, and welcome to the promised land. I am not in the Holy Land right now. I am actually in New York City. Um, but I did want to call in and just say a couple of words to you. That, you know, you've been mentioning my son, and you can only begin to imagine the, um, the pride that I have about my son. But I'm going to tell you something more important. The pride that your father has looking down, guarding you and guiding you in this unbelievable journey, I truly believe that your father made a deal with Hashem and handpicked you to become the unfiltered voice of the Jewish people at this critical time. And it's really been an honor. I've been following you for years and watching the trajectory of your journey and your career and the success has only brought you to this place where your voice now and the people that you surround yourself with on behalf of the Jewish people is really very, very commendable, and I'm so proud of you. Oh, my God. I, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate those words, uh, Stuart. I do. I do. I do love your son. I'm glad you're proud of him. You should be. He's a wonderful man, terrific husband, and a great father. And, you know, look, every time my dad gets mentioned, and he's gone now. He's gone now uh, three years. You know, yes, so, um, yes. I thought I thought I thought I would get to the point where, at the very least, I would stop crying. You know, I'm, I'm, again, uh, there's a reason why they call me the John Boehner of radio, but I, <laughs> but but I just can't. And and when you say what you said just now, it um, and my mom is great. She's alive, and we're very very close. And Naomi, you know, you guys love her. And I've got great sisters and brother-in-laws, terrific friends, and tremendous co-workers. And my bosses are all like family. But my um. I do miss my dad, so thank you for saying that. Thank you. And it's not, a, it's not only that you miss him, but every step you're taking, he's literally with you, guarding you and guiding you in this unbelievable journey on behalf of our Jewish people. And um, the only thing that I could really express is the more you express your gratitude to, to Hashem, to your father, and to all the people that have assisted you in this unbelievable journey, the more success that you're going to have. And um, it's it's truly a, a blessing to to watch it unfold before our eyes. Um, so that's really pretty much what I wanted to say. Although I will say something else. 2005, I used to take my kids to rallies and protests against ripping the Jews out of Gush Katif, which was Gaza. There was 8,000 families living there. And um, that all would have not been for vain if we would have stood up and had a voice like yours to rally us no. together. Stuart Honickman, I love you. I love you. I love your whole family, Yehuda, your whole family. This is a beautiful phone call. Perfect uh, by the end of today's show. I mean, perfect. You couldn't have scripted this any better. So thank you for that. And uh, hopefully I, I will see you very, very soon. And God bless you. Thank you, Stuart uh, Honickman. Amen. Take care. Amen. amen. Thank you. And Sid, listen, of course. enjoy every minute and bless your children and literally enjoy, this is your homeland. This is your homeland. Enjoy every minute of it. Thank you, Stuart. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, Lou, Lou, you remember on Friday when you played Chris Daughtry home, and I told that story that I was uh, longing to get back to New York after being basically excommunicated to Boca Raton for 11 years. And 
It didn't matter what I did on radio. I couldn't get back. I couldn't get back to New York despite my best efforts. I did some really good shows over those years. They were all sports shows. This was before WABC and Bernard. This was, you know, folks like Mark Malusis and Kim Jones and those types of folks. I couldn't get back. And I was in the uh, the bus. And, in fact, I remember what it was. It was not that I left WABC. I had just left uh, Don Buckwald's office, Howard Stern's agent. Because for some reason I thought Don Buckwald can help me. And he was very nice to me, but couldn't really help me. And that song Chris Daughtry played home. And we played that Lou to start the show on Friday. And, and I said it was about New York, not about Israel. And I got a whole bunch of people text me and say, wrong. It is about Israel. You may live in New York, but you're going home. And um, I feel that way today. So, Stuart, thank you very much for that. My dad thanks you for that. That'll bring us to a, uh, a short break. Still about 20 minutes to go before Brian Kilmeade comes your way, folks. I promise you the next three days, much like today, promises to be very emotional, very informative. And we have some amazing guests, amazing guests, not just about Israel. Anything going on in the country today, we've got you covered. So the Monday edition rolls on nearer to a close. Sitting friends in the morning, live from Jerusalem. In the morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. I'm staring out into the night. Trying to hide the pain. To the place where love and feeling good don't ever cost a thing. In the pain you feel's a different kind of pain. Well, I'm going home to the place. Daughtry, home, there it is. And I am home, folks. Whether I'm in Bell Harbor, in Queens, whether I'm on 49th and 3rd in our palatial studios from Midtown Manhattan, or where I am right now, sitting across from Justin in a place called Talpiat, Jerusalem. I am home. I'm, um, <laughs> I tell you, man, I am I'm taking, um, not taking it back, that's the wrong use of verbiage, but I'm just, um, I was just kind of 
looking over some of the social media today, you know. And again, you can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. And um, I don't know if folks tend to exaggerate, if, if they're hoping that if they write something nice enough, I'll mention them on this huge show. I don't know, but it is uh, pretty amazing, the reception, and it makes you feel like a million bucks that we've done this. And we've got a lot to do the next three days, me, Justin, my family, Yehuda, and the whole crew, a lot more to see. I mean, if you think about it, folks, there's a very small area here in Jerusalem, not between Jesus and the Jews. It's the history of the world. The history of the world is right here. And I'm a pretty inquisitive guy. You know, I, I'm always trying to get smarter. I'm always trying to, to learn more. I've never considered myself necessarily the smartest man in the room. I've got the best radio instincts maybe in 50 years. But I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So I walk around like I did for the better part of three hours this morning with my mouth open, you know. And I guess if you've never been to New York City, you know, I, I take the ferry home every day. So you guys know my schedule. I take the 6th train from 51st Street. I take that to 42nd Street in Grand Central where I catch the four or the five. If I have work to do uh, on the Upper East Side, Upper West Side, I'll take the two or the three. Either way, they all go express to Wall Street. And then I've got to make that walk from Wall Street to the ferry, which is right down by South Street. And uh, actually a little a little north of South Street. And uh, south, south of South Street. And, and I walk past the New York Stock Exchange, and I walk past that beautiful church, and, of course, 40 Wall Street, and there are people out there with phones and taking pictures, and their mouths are wide open. Their mouths are wide open. I'm like, what, 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 you know? For me, it's no big deal. I see the same fat homeless lady laying in her own piss every day. She's right there, right across from the New York Stock Exchange. And then uh, I come to the realization that, yeah, it is, it is kind of cool, you know, with all the issues we've got in New York City, and there are plenty they're all plenty. I know Eric Adams plays it up like things are going well. They're not. They're not. That's why a guy like Andrew Cuomo has a really, really good chance of winning. And I don't know this for a fact. I really don't. I swear to you. But um, I believe that Cuomo is going to run. And if Cuomo ran against Adams today, he wouldn't win. He would bludgeon Eric Adams. He'd bludgeon him. All you folks that hate Cuomo for a variety of reasons, a variety of reasons, he would win going away. It wouldn't be close. We've got a ton of issues. ton. But if you've never been there and you walk around the city, it's pretty unbelievable. And I guess I come here, it's the same thing. I've never been here. you know. And the history is just overwhelming. Temples, you know, buildings that I've seen today that are aged anywhere from two to 3,000 years. Think about that. Two to 3,000 years. The lives. You know, my mom said something on this show on Friday, Naomi. And it struck me. We were talking about my father, as we do often on this show. And she said, um, you know, Daddy's with you every step of the way. And I said, I believe that. I, I can't help but think a lot of the success I've had over the last year is a direct result of Daddy pulling some string somewhere. I just choose to believe that. And she goes, yeah, there's no way that man was on this earth basically for 91 years, and then you just go away. When it's over, it's over. And I thought about that all 
weekend long, even on the 10-hour plane ride on the way here. It can't just be over. You can't be here for 70, 80, 90 years, touch so many people, do so many things, and then just disappear. You can't, you know. And so when I look at my Instagram feed moments ago or my Facebook feed moments ago, how I started this segment, and I see some of the things that you folks are saying out there today and in the past, it makes me feel like, at least up to this point, if God's good to me, I'll be 57 in April. I'm making some some type of a difference. And uh, that makes me happy. Now, with that said, this is not good news. This has just been given to me by Jason, by Justin. This is the second time I've called you Jason. Uh, and it reads like this. Air raid sirens sound in Tel Aviv for the first time in more than a month. We just talked about this yesterday when I landed at the airport in Tel Aviv. You did too this morning with my family, my wife and my son, how it's been about four to six weeks since there's been any real danger in places like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Now we had a man try to kill somebody with an axe in Haifa earlier today, and now you got this sirens in Tel Aviv, and it's just a constant reminder, this thing is not over, folks. It is not over yet. We'll come back and wrap up this show, which will be over in a couple of minutes, Monday in Jerusalem, with some um, scary news. I'll come back right after this. Give me another try. Friends in the morning, live from Israel. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, folks. That is true. There is um there has been a rocket attack in Tel Aviv moments ago. The sirens are going off. In fact, uh, Justin's family, his cousins as we speak, are in a bomb shelter. I was in Tel Aviv last night. Justin going back there tonight to meet his aunt and uncle for dinner. But right now they are in an active issue. And those are the types of things that people in this country deal with every day. And we are done for today. But uh, certainly if anything else happens, you'll hear about it on the news later on tonight. And I will bring it your way first thing tomorrow. Dougie Kisler, thank you so much. Simon and Nina. Thank you so much. Uh, my friend up there in Bethel Woods, Susan Otto, thank you so much. Anthony at the garage, thank you so much. If I leave anybody out, I really apologize. Again, the response has been overwhelming. We want to thank everybody for sticking with us this morning. We have three more great shows coming your way from Jerusalem the rest of the week up until Friday. So for Lewis, who was amazing today, Rich Rodabelli, of course, Noam Layden. Me and Justin right here in Jerusalem, Alex Trayman, JNS Studios, Yehuda Hanekman, and everybody listening around the world. Stay safe until tomorrow at 6. From all of us to all of you, peace! Stay down.